everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Kellen's Petty Talk Show. This was such an exciting episode for me to do. For years, I've been going to see these horror screenings that are sprung from an event series called Friday Night Frights. These movies, double features, and marathons have been screened all over LA in various theaters. Josh Miller is the founder of this great show and always has continuously kicked ass doing the panels that accompany each one. Not long back, I saw that he was teaming up with his buddy and screenwriting teammate Pat Casey to pen the new Sonic movie. Fast forward, Sonic has dominated the box office, landed a sequel, and even more great things are happening for this dynamic duo. They've had a pretty interesting career thus far, and it was real fun to dive deep into all the chaos that these two have successfully endured. We had an amazing time talking, and I really do want to thank Josh and Pat for their time. I hope you all enjoy the episode. If you like what you hear, shoot us a follow over on Instagram at Kellen's Petty Talk Show. There you can be up to date on all newly announced guests. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, Pat? There he is. How you doing? <laughs> Sorry, I'm slightly late. Oh, you're fine. It's all good. <laughs> Gotta have minty fresh breath for a podcast. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you had a video component to this, but I definitely didn't want to like uh you know have my teeth all full of breakfast <laughs> just in case. Hell yeah. I mean Fair most enough. most people listen to the Spotify, but I throw this one up on like YouTube and stuff. Yeah, yeah, same with my podcast. I I guess there are people who watch podcasts. I don't yeah, know. But... It's like for the older people that are just like, I'm not downloading Spotify. <laughs> you know. So how how has the last year been for you guys? Do you check out any new movies during COVID? Uh, I mean, the minimal that have been coming out, like Pat yeah. came over. I have a setup in my garage so we can hang out you know, six feet apart in the open air. <laughs> and we watched uh, Godzilla versus Kong with another friend. Uh, how was that? You know, I mean, I feel it's essentially what you want it to be. Yeah, a lot of Godzilla kind of fighting Kong. The plot um, was kind of overly complicated, and I still don't understand what happened other than King Kong and Godzilla had to fight a lot. I I followed that part of it. Yeah, which I guess is the important part. (laughs) That is the important part. I did hear that they focused on the humans a little too much, and that got kind of boring. They say that about every one of these kaiju movies. Yeah, people are mad if the humans have any lines at all. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Which, I mean, I understand, but it's also like, it's so easy to ignore the human stuff. My one thing with Kong versus Godzilla is I felt like maybe there was, there was too much act one, not enough act three. I would have, I would have moved the act breaks yeah. around a little bit. Yeah. That's what I've been hearing. But it's all, it's all a trick anyway, because it's too expensive if they have too much of the monsters. So they like have to have all this human stuff. I feel yeah. audiences don't understand that part. Absolutely. <laughs> But you'd say it's still worth a watch, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, if you, I, I think it's the exact kind of movie where if you think you're going to like it, then you probably will. You should know ahead of time yeah. if you want to, if you'll enjoy a movie about King Kong and Godzilla punching each other. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to go to the movies for the first time in a while. Yesterday, I went to see that Nobody movie with uh, oh, yeah. Bob yeah. Odenkirk. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I want to. I've, we're, we're we're friends yeah. with Derek Kolstad, the writer. Oh, hell uh, yeah. And we're currently working on a couple of things with uh, the company that produced that movie. So oh, we're oh, rooting sick. for it to do well. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, I have yet to return to the theater. Still, the, like, the last movie I saw in the theater was Sonic. Sonic, yeah. <laughs> it was like right before COVID, too. Yeah. The um, one movie that I plan to see in the theater when it comes out this month is uh, the Mortal Kombat movie. 
So I'm yeah. curious to see how that is. That should be fun. I'm, I'm, I should be. I, I'm. I don't think it'll ever be as good as like the one from '95, '96. But you know what? I'm still gonna. Get, I'm gonna still give it a chance. I mean, we were so young when that first one came out. It was exactly what we all wanted. Like that was the first video yeah. game movie to get that. That like, hey, wait, what people want to see is a movie version of this video game and not just throw the exactly. video game. Well, that's what for years game. people were always like, no one's ever made a good video game movie. Uh, mm-hmm. We're Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Which I haven't uh, watched in a long time and possibly if I were yeah. to watch it now, it would not seem as good. But definitely when I was like a kid in the mall full of candy. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. I was like, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> it achieved what it set out to do. I, I would also argue, like you know, what is what do you want out of a Mortal Kombat movie? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm sure that one still holds up for like nostalgia purposes, anyway. Oh, ab- no, no question of that. I don't know. It's just I think it's going to be hard to uh, come anywhere close to the original. Yeah, because I remember when the first one was coming out, I was just like, oh, I bet they're not going to have Goru though. Because yeah. how are they going to do that effect? But then they did have him, and he. I, mean, Goro. I thought he or just Goro. Goro, Goro, Goro. I don't know. Yeah, Goro. I you're right. Goro. I wonder how those effects hold up because I thought they were pretty good at the time. I mean, he was like uh, claymation, right? He was like straight out of jail. No, he was a guy in a suit. Was he? It was a guy was in like a suit. A... It was a, it was a guy in a suit, and then certain parts, I think, where the mouth was moving was like an. Well, I think the entire because yeah. you know he was like nine feet tall, so I think it was a guy yeah. in a suit. And Goro's like belly button was where the dude's face was. <laughs> and then it was just this big fucking apparatus. Or maybe the bottom arms. I bet that's what it was. I bet his bottom arms were the actor's arms and the top arms were like animatronic puppet shit. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so YouTube this when we're done. But yeah, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that was a movie that was, that when I saw that, I was like, oh no, they ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> the, did not quite capture the charm of the first one, even though it was. <laughs> they uh, ruined the pristine quality of Mortal Kombat One. It was but once again Paul W. S. Anderson, right? It was like he came back and did the second one. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like it felt like yeah. the budget was way like simultaneously the budget was lower and the movie was more ambitious, so it just had a lot more horrifically Dude. failed special effects. It's just a uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation was the biggest disappointment. It's just like it's like how do you go from like a fantastic video game movie to this abomination of a sequel. And you know, I'm not trashing on it, but it's just like, come on, in the first three minutes, they kill off Johnny Cage. How the hell do you do that? That used to be kill a real off one thing. of the most beloved characters. Yeah, that was that one. Yeah. That's what I always thought Scream 2. That's how that movie should have began if they wanted to be true to 80s slasher movies, is that uh Nev Campbell should have died in the opening scene. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what all those Pretty movies much, yeah. Or she could have turned out to be the killer the second time around, would have also been acceptable. I bet they thought about that. But like, yeah, 80s movies, it was like an Iron Eagle 2, if you remember that. It was like the hero of Iron <laughs> Eagle 1 dies in like the first five minutes. And I was like, why? I was so mad. Uh, I keep we're hearing living, we're living in a golden age of sequels. We all now expect part two to be the like best one. There's part yeah. of me that misses where nobody cared about sequels. So you could yeah. only make a sequel if it cost way less than the first hit movie. Yeah. But I feel like that's like for horror movies and action movies, that's where we get all the real insane sequels. Mm-hmm. It's just Absolutely. somebody has the rights to them. And they're like, well, as long as it's super cheap, we're going to keep making them. Mm-hmm. I keep hearing yeah. that they might bring back Matthew Lillard for uh, scream five. But I don't know. if that's uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Just a uh, point of order. He's dead, though. Maybe he's his own <laughs> twin. 
No, oh, they'll, think, they'll be like, no, no, think about it. Think about like, it for a second. That TV fell on his face, but it never really, they never really confirmed he was dead. Oh, yeah, I mean, he could right. be dis, he could, he could be disfigured. You never know. Now he just has a TV for a head. Oh my God. <laughs> With like a picture of him on the TV, like a max headroom effect. Yeah. I hated that in part three where they have the like message that Jamie Kennedy had recorded on a tape. Yeah. to give to them in case he'd ever died or whatever. I'm like, that's why uh, I don't, you shouldn't have killed him off. I have no yeah. memory <laughs> of that whatsoever. <laughs> I got to rewatch them all. Wait. So <laughs> now I don't remember anything about Scream 3. Did I even see it? Scream 3 is the one in Hollywood that's all about like actors and yeah, he's Lance Henriksen's a like producer, director. Oh my God. Well, you think about it. Each Scream movie is like about the horror movie. The first movie, like what it's going to be about, you know, the rules of a horror movie. And then the second one about sequels. The third one about the trilogies. And then the fourth one focuses on the remakes. Mm-hmm. You know, So what's five and we're, now? And five is just Reboots. riding off the success of Halloween 2018. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or it could be, or it could be, or it could be about it could be about reboots because that's a common thing where they reboot and they pick up after the first movie. They reboot and reboot, yeah. or the yeah, thing where yeah, exactly. it's like this is a sequel only to the first one, and the other sequels didn't happen. That, that <laughs> yeah, maybe that is what they're gonna do <laughs> somehow. Well, I feel like for it to be meta, continuity. it would have to do with uh, I don't know alternate realities or something like that. This would be. A- <laughs> A universe where the other sequels didn't happen, but then it somehow crosses over with the universe where the sequels mm-hmm. did happen. It, well, anything is possible. Multiverse. Get <laughs> a time time machine involved. The killer has a time machine. That was, That's what yeah. everyone wants out of a scream movie. Yeah, yeah time, time machine. So, uh, where did you guys first meet? Uh, we met in detention in eighth grade in Bloomington, Minnesota, which oh, is a yeah. suburb of Minneapolis. <laughs> like That's two hilarious. cool kids. Why'd you guys get detention? <laughs> uh, me for being in a smart ass and Pat for getting in a fight with a big giant freak. Yeah, Hell yeah. like a full-sized adult uh, eighth grader who really beat the hell out of me. But I still had to get punished because of the zero tolerance uh, yeah. policy about fighting. Even though I felt like I'd been punished enough. I was all beat up and bloody. I had a bloody nose when I got to detention, I think. Right, Josh? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It's a long Dude. time ago. Every yeah, time high school I- policy made no sense. I guess they just expected that if someone like wanted to fight you, you needed to run away or something. <laughs> I'm not really sure. It's weird. Yeah. Every, I every... guess that was to get past people being like, he started it. But I feel like <laughs> in certain instances, like with Pat and this kid, it was pretty obvious who started it because one of them was like six one and 210 pounds in eighth grade. <laughs> and it wasn't Pat. Spoiler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always went to tension for the dumbest shit. Like I literally never had like a real reason to be there. They just were like, eh, I guess we'll give them detention. Didn't you get a detention for that stink bomb incident? Oh yeah, I brought, I brought <laughs> classic I brought, school prankery. I brought those fart bags to school, and I had them in my backpack with like no intention to even set them off in school. I was gonna put them off on my bus like after school, and then this one kid, so, um, he, he was like a super super senior, so you know he's like twenty years old, and he's like, I'll put them off, and then he gives it to like this shy kid at our table who you never would expect to do anything like this, and he goes over and steps on it right near like the trash can. And yeah, half the cafeteria jumped up and ran to the other side because it smelled so bad. This was this, like it was just like a, it was like a fart bag, like those little like silvery fart bags you get at like a gag store. 
So you just squash it and the fart gets out. Like it's it's like the the balls full of poison gas in uh, the rock. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He just (laughs) he just stepped on it and it made like that really big bang sound. And then I guess after ten or fifteen seconds, it seeped out and people were just like screaming, flailing their arms. It was amazing. And then, and then our whole t- our whole table got called down to the office, and everybody played dumb, obviously. And then I don't know if somebody said I did something, and then it was narrowed down to like two of us, and then they're just like, okay. And of course, I was like, I didn't do that, but you know. And they yeah, caught in school, me. School, there's like line. no like. It's not like in the courts, you don't really get a chance to yeah. particularly defend yeah. yourself. They don't. Yeah. They don't care no. if they punish an innocent kid. No, time yeah, I got I, banned from recess for a month and they would never even tell me like what I was uh, in trouble what? for. You know like, what you did. Just an explanation. Yeah, it was like, you know what you did. And I'm like, I honestly have no idea. Never found out. Recess. <laughs> that so, was when, when I was in elementary school, I got tons of detention because detention was during recess. So that was the only punishment. And yeah. they wouldn't even tell your parents. So I was basically like, so I can just do whatever I want. And all yeah. the punishment is just that I don't get to like play on the jungle gym oh, after lunch. Who, who gives a shit? <laughs> would, in my, in, when I was in middle school, they would have lunch detentions, you know, so like you could, so during the lunch hour, you can never associate, you can never like socialize with your friends at the table or anything. You did. Oh, did he freeze? Oh, he froze. I'm oh, no. cliffhanger. He froze. You froze. I'll message him. So yeah, he's having issues with his Wi-Fi. <laughs> I got all the questions, so if that ends up happening, then I don't know. I guess I'll do them all. <laughs> he's back. Can you hear us? Oh, what's my, this, my computer's just oh, acting up lately. I don't know what it is. But anyways, yeah, so lunch detentions were never fun because then you'd have to be like in like – it's like solitary confinement almost, you know? <laughs> I think ours was during lunch. Well, that was because we had in school detention as the one we met in. Yeah, we were like pulled school. out of class to be punished. And we were like not supposed to talk to each other, but there was a small amount of talking. And then we became friends really after that. That was just our first mm-hmm. meeting. Yeah, that was how we learned the other one existed. Did you ever get suspended for anything? Or was that not a thing back then? I mean, no, mine was, was actually I was suspended for that fight, but it was an in-school suspension. So I was I was in oh. detention all day. I was like a yeah, long timer. It. Josh was only in there for like an hour. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I definitely never got suspended where I just wasn't in school for yeah. those days. But I also might have had in school suspension for something. Which is so much worse. If I was really suspended, I could have been at home watching, you know, The Price yeah. is Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I got I got out, out of school, out of school uh, suspension for fighting some kid. And I didn't even want to fight him. I got cornered in the gym and everybody like forced me to fight this kid. And uh, it, it lasted for like 10 seconds. Like barely anybody fought each other. We both probably punched each other once or something. And then one kid filmed it. So that's. Oh, no. oh no. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have that in the nineties. Yeah, you didn't have the phone. So yeah. Unless some kid brought like a VHS camcorder to school, which uh, I don't think was allowed. <laughs> but they were, they were supposed to send me to like a bad kid's school for the week. And instead I had my mom sign like this, this form that says I could just get my work sent to me at home. So I literally just played video games and watched horror movies all week. That was awesome. <laughs> That's the dream. Like wow. The bad kids school punishment. That yeah. The ba- like movie premise. The bad kids school was called Dexter. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds, it sounds scary. Yeah. And then, uh, 
as for my story, like uh, Kel- Kellen remembers this actually pretty well. This was a uh, May 2010, I think it was. And we, it's funny because uh, we, uh, oh yeah, what happened? Oh yeah. So this, there was this, like this psychotic kid. He just says, I'll punch you in your face. I'll kill you and your whole family. And then everybody was more <laughs> like, are you going to let him get away with that? Like, and everybody was just encouraging me to do something like, dude, don't let him just say that to you. And I'm like, don't worry. Threaten to kill your whole family. (laughs) Yeah. So this is on the bus. So like, I'm just, so as we get to my stop, I just get up and I slowly just casually, I'm walking down the aisle. I close my fist and then he's like on my right. I just close my fist. And then like without him, like realizing it, I just, got slugged him right in between the eyes wow, and then everybody, everybody and then everybody just like started clapping and then the the next day he didn't show up to school and then everybody saw me and they were like there he is and everybody was like applauding you killed him yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he and then he showed up the next day and he had a bruise in between his eyes and then somebody asked him because apparently i think somebody was asking if he dealt was dealing with i don't know like what they asked him but they were like who did this to you and then he kind of indirectly ratted me out and said my initials. And uh, there was just, only, they narrowed it down to one person on that bus and it was me. <laughs> and so I get called to the principal's office and they're like, did something happen on this day? And so it's with so-and-so I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. You gotta, you gotta fill me in on a little more info. I was just kind of playing dumb practically. Like I didn't know anything. And then they kind of narrowed it down. They said, we have t- we have witnesses that are saying that you punched a uh, Ryan. I-, I don't even remember his name at this point, <laughs> but like they were just like, well, to be fair, he did threaten to uh, murder me and my whole family. And did the witnesses tell you that? <laughs> Defending my family. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, Mortal Kombat. It is. And no, and so like they said, okay, well, we're gonna have to suspend you for three days. I'm like, so that's it. Like I mean, like I mean, like like you you are aware that he, that he could eat that if you were over the age of 18, he could, his parents could press charges against you. I'm like, well, I'm not, a, I was like 17 at the time. So, and just then got it I, in I, under the wire. It's funny that you would give your thing. initials just to create a little extra detective work for like yeah. The, yeah. the vice principal. Like or somehow they weren't going to yeah, figure that out. I didn't rat you out. I just gave initials. How were they yeah. ever going to figure it out? In it's the an funniest... unsolvable cipher. They'd have to be a genius. Yeah. The world's the greatest detective. Thing. And the funniest thing is Kellen and I, we were already scheduled to see Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie. Like we already had tickets ready to go money spent oh, on yeah. it. And so I, I don't think, and like, I think like my, my cell phone was broken at the time, but like he called it the house phone. And then he, he talked to my dad and he's like, Hey, we were actually supposed to go to a concert. And he's like, yeah, he suspended. He's like, Oh, but we already spent money on the tickets. He's like, you got, and he's like, and I remember my dad said to me, he's like, I'm going to let you go to this concert. I shouldn't even be letting you do this. And, but you know what? You've already spent you've already spent money on it, so I'm gonna let it slide. But this will never ever happen again. <laughs> so we got. Yeah, to, I guess I I was suspended, and we still got to go see Alice Cooper and yeah, Rob. Next Stein. time, no Alice Cooper though. <laughs> yeah. so, I thought you were gonna say that your dad somebody. was like, no way, until he found out it was Alice Cooper, and he his dad's like, like oh, where's shit. my ticket? I want to go see yeah. Alice Cooper. <laughs> Yeah, give me the ticket. I'm gonna go with Kellen. <laughs> so, yeah, you're suspended. I'm going. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so when did the writing come in? Like, when did you guys start becoming like partners in crime with writing? Well, the way we really became friends, uh, you know, out of school friends. Clearly, yeah. that's that's when a real friend is a friend. Uh, <laughs> was that our town Bloomington had uh, a public access channel, which was you know just cable access. 
Um, but it was run by the city and it was used almost like 99% for just, uh, you know, like recording football games and school concerts and like town hall meetings. Like there was like one worked- adult who ran the station and everyone else was like teen volunteers who were there to like learn how to do TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one late night comedy show run by the teens that was on this this channel. This is a super weird thing. All the rest of our lives, we've yet to encounter anyone else who had a similar situation. Yeah, we assumed this was a standard thing that just happened all across the country. So, yeah. so we each kind of went to the station manager separately with our own gaggle of friends to be like, you should give us our own sketch comedy show. We're the new kids in the hall. And he <laughs> did the same thing to both of us. I'm like, why don't you join the show we already have and make stuff for them? So we... We both joined the show as like leaders of rival camps, basically when we were like freshmen in high school and the show was like run by like 19 and 20 year old kids at that point. Yeah. But within a few months, we sort of banded together and staged a coup and then uh, it became it became our show. We were running the show all through (laughs) high school um, every Friday night live, live TV. Yeah, Uh, we felt it was kind of an unspoken rule, sort of like how for you know, decades, you can only be president for two terms, but not legally. That was just what everyone did. It was like, well, I was president twice. I guess that's it. So we felt the moment you graduated, you had to leave the show. Yeah, it was like, rude, it sad rude to us for that... those old kids to stick around. Yeah. So then when we graduated, uh, or, you know, we, we did it every week for four years and then um, did a gigantic, a giant-sized farewell episode right before our whole cast left for college. And then we left the yeah. show to my little brother and his friends. And then yeah. the show kept going for like decades more. Yeah, I think mean, it only stopped like a couple of years ago. Yeah, now that's killed by internet. disinterest because, yeah, the uh. internet. And so, like, if who wants to, who, you could show a, put a video on YouTube that someone could watch in like <laughs> two seconds. So it's like, why would you want to be constrained by cable access? Yeah. Uh, I feel like people barely even know what that is anymore. Like <laughs> catching the Wayne's know. world on TV. Yeah, yeah, that's where we put in our, you know, 10,000 hours and really developed uh, our style and learned how to do all the stuff. Lots of trial and error, mostly. Yeah, film school seemed really boring by the time we got there in college. Yeah, no, I could see that. Just like, this is a light. And we're just like, oh, my God, we already had a TV show. Yeah, and at (laughs) that point, you've probably seen all the the movies you needed to see by that point anyway. Yeah, so we went to separate <laughs> film schools, but then it was like because we were both so bored, like uh, we were collaborating mm-hmm. over email constantly, and we would write scripts and then like shoot uh, like a micro budget like horror comedy every summer during college, mm-hmm. uh, and then put it out on video or DVD, which was a market at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we felt like they were getting pretty good. So once we, after college, we decided to move out to LA together and get, get rich and famous. That was the plan. <laughs> Speaking of that, when are we going to have an anniversary screening of Hey, Stop Stabbing Me? <laughs> well, funny you should ask, if it hadn't been for COVID, I mean, it's still going to come out, yeah. presumably. Um, but uh, right as COVID was going down, we were making a deal. Uh, maybe I shouldn't announce it officially yet, but you know, with the uh, I feel popular, uh, like genre movie Blu-ray boutique company mm-hmm. to re-release the movie on Blu-ray, which is funny to us too because the movie <laughs> is so low res. The idea of it being on Blu-ray is comical, but that's mainly just because we're going to stick another feature on it and a bunch of bonus features. But the yeah. only reason it's not done yet is because we want to shoot like a bunch of new 
interviews and commentaries uh and then fucking covid we didn't want oh, to go sit inside a studio somewhere and do that but it will yeah. be on the way eventually a new yeah. blu-ray re-release of hey stop stabbing <laughs> yeah. hell yeah so uh, so all these years classic like- deserves <laughs> <laughs> so all these years later uh did you guys both foresee yourself standing where you are today not really i always had a lot of confidence that we'd succeed enough to just keep doing it, you know, whatever that means to you. Um, I didn't necessarily, we never really, cause like, you know, if you've ever seen, Hey, stop stabbing me or anything. It's like the stuff we were making in a vacuum on our own for no money was super weird. Um, and then really the thing that kind of got our career, even though we'd been working and selling scripts for like a decade, but we didn't have like agents or managers or anything until we sold, Goal in the Insatiable, which I have the painting behind me, it was an animated show. It was briefly on Fox. And that was very much in the vein of the stuff we would do on our own. And unsurprisingly, uh, it was not a big hit. The people who watched it really liked it, but mm-hmm. that, that just always felt like that was kind of our thing. Yeah, to be making um, to- cult classics and sort of niche <laughs> genre stuff. Um, yeah. so we've sort of but, been surprised by, yeah, or like our big turn into a uh, mainstream gigantic movies. Yeah. And, I mean, it's funny. Cause like, it's the way the industry works. It's like after Sonic was a hit now it's like, Oh, you guys write family movies, <clears throat> you know, oh, yeah. could you, can they do an R rated movie? But it's like, we almost didn't get hired on Sonic because the studio was like, I don't know. These guys just write like weird R-rated comedies, <laughs> and they these write are the guys that did movie? Transylvania. Can these Trans- guys yeah. write something that's not only about murder? That was the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. So, so how'd you guys land the gig for National Lampoon's dorm, day, uh, dorm days, and how stoked were you? Oh, uh, not stoked. Well, not that, stoked. so that was a movie we made. As Pat was saying, every break. in college we'd make a feature film for like $500 yeah and the final one we were gonna do we had the great idea because my parents worked for the now defunct Northwest Airlines which just got I think bought out by Delta absorbed into Delta um (laughs) but so I could fly for free until I graduated college oh wow um, that's cool which was pretty cool so like in college, I would basically just be like, oh, what's going on this weekend? Nothing. Well, I'm going to hop on a plane and go visit one of my other friends. And so I was constantly going to visit Pat. You know, not constantly, probably like once a year, at least we go visit Pat in Boston. Yeah. And we had the idea of like, oh, we should shoot a movie. Like, I'll come out here on my spring break and we should try to shoot a whole movie in your dorm mm-hmm. while I'm here. And we shot one scene for it. And then it dawned on us. It wasn't Pat's spring break. Yeah, everybody. So Pat, everyone oh, else was in no. class. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. So we only got that one scene. Done, but so we had this script. Yeah, well, so we um, wrote so what thing. became Dorm Days. Like, that's yeah. what we wrote to shoot, like, in and around the dorm where I lived at Boston U. So it was all kind of written specifically, <laughs> specifically for the locality and for, like, the actors we had available to us. Yeah, Though it turned sure. out, yeah, they were like less available than we thought they were because they all had stuff they had to yeah, be Yeah, I have a paper due oh, tomorrow. Uh, we were like, oh, this was a poorly <laughs> thought out plan. On our part. <laughs> so we had that script, yeah, and then we moved to, we, we, we abandoned that movie when we realized it was impossible. Instead, instead, we made a little short called Magma Head, which was a bonus feature on the original Hey Stop Stabbing Me DVD, I think, right? 
It was, and it wasn't on the re-release, and that will be again on the new Blu-ray. Yeah, and it's pretty funny. It's like 15 minutes, but um, which was much more doable than doing a whole feature in a in a week, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, but we we moved out to LA, and like we got an apartment, and Josh worked at a sandwich shop, and I worked at a video store, so we had everything that we needed as we were yeah. working. All of life's necessities: we had sandwiches, sandwiches and videos, movies. and. Uh, we had like no way into the industry, but I was just like, man, people come into my video store. Some of these people have to be in movies. And then one day a guy came in and he was renting um, like Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead. Aww. Just like the most basic stack of anyone who's renting all of one type of yeah. movie was always doing research. <laughs> research for a zombie movie. So I was like, hey, man. I'm a screenwriter. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had one. We in. had two scripts. We had the movie that became Dorm Days, and then we had a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, janitors, janitors never die, right? Yeah, and he janitors don't to me. die. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, how do you know? How, about yeah, that? how do you know about janitors don't die? Because I do my research. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't think that information was even out there. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like that was well, well done. That's, that's, I'm impressed by this level of research. Scott Dylan Brand <laughs> was that customer at the video store, and when I it blew him up, he was like, "Okay, it said send send over two two scripts, and we'll take a look at them." And I called Josh, and he ran the printed out the scripts and ran them over to the Hill and Brand's office, and mm-hmm. we still don't know if they ever read Janitors Don't Die, but they bought uh, what was then called a college sex farce, and that eventually became National Lampoon's Dorm Days. But that we'd only been in LA for like three months, months or something. Was, yeah, or, I think it was six. But then it was also like because like they wanted to buy it, but they were offering us an embarrassingly small amount of money. We were like, I don't know. But they were like, but we're gonna shoot this. We already have the money. We're gonna start shooting in in one month. We were like, oh okay, sign it. Yeah, we're king to celebrate and supersized our meals. We were feeling. Yeah, it didn't become a national lampoon movie until like a. The end, year yeah. after it was done because wow. at that i mean still at this point national lampoon's not a real company and yeah. i don't think they have been since the early 90s it's just somebody owns the name and the logo and if you oh, wow. pay that guy you can use it and i think that's now that guy has changed hands several times it's yeah the initial the like cast and crew screening of dorm days i think it was called <laughs> dorm day crazy that was the title yeah. that appeared on <laughs> yeah. the screen uh yeah i mean it was both exciting and not exciting we were excited to have a movie get going Mm -hmm. but that was the first time we'd ever seen somebody else make one of our scripts and we were Mm -hmm. not particularly happy with a lot of the decisions and how it was turning out Mm -hmm. um it was still fun though like we're still friends with some of the actors we became friends with on set Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was obviously just an exciting to have a movie get made when you're like 23 yeah. and it came out you know it was like still kind of like oh this isn't that good but everyone was like hey at least it got made we and have that's where you get started though you got to get better and better yeah exactly and better. You know, if you don't put out those first things you'll never put out a first thing yeah uh but we were we are still we have a soft spot uh for the other second movie we did with the hill and brand brothers <laughs> called game box 1.0 oh it's kind of like a out. ya sci-fi mm-hmm. horror movie yeah, uh, which I'm actually going to be showing on my next month uh, Friday Night Frights Twitch what? show. Oh, are you really? I'll have to yep. check that out. <laughs> yeah. How does yeah. that work? Do you just pay to watch it, or no? It's just Twitch. Just you don't Twitch? even need like if you want to join the like. like that's what I think is fun about the Twitch shows is there's like a live chat. 
Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you're just hanging out in a room with people, mm-hmm. cracking jokes and whatever. Um, yeah, I watched you, a couple. Yeah, yeah. You don't even need to. Well, yeah. So you don't even need an account if you don't care about the chat. You just click on the the link. And watch oh, but the it. chat's the best part. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. the chat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my friends actually was in a uh, Storm Days too. Uh, Jasmine St. Clair. Uh, oh what? So I, <laughs> yeah. yeah she's a friend of mine actually oh uh, so i i do have to ask did you guys envision her as summer solstice or did she audition for that role i that was like one of those weird things like you know because i feel like we had a, a decent enough relationship with the hillenbrand brothers but they were also way older than us and like clearly they just thought of us as their like weird little writers they found so, so like we were not privy to a lot of their decision making and i just remember at one point they're like Hey, we found someone for this character, uh, Jasmine Sinclair, and I still don't know where they met her. I, I don't think we. I think we put the character in because they told us to write a part for Jasmine. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. It happened was even more so. Yeah, oh but still, I don't. I guess the real answer to the question was like, I don't know where she came from in relation because they weren't friends with her, or maybe it wasn't like, we don't we don't know what. I don't think they were though. Yeah. Uh, but they had their own like weird ideas of like what were selling points of movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, dorm days was actually, it was actually, cause I only saw bits and parts of I, the first one I ever saw was dorm days too. I think it was playing like on HBO, like probably like 15 years ago. And I was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but it was so, it was so entertaining. It was so entertaining. Like I didn't want to like dorm days too. We liked, well, actually I don't know if I liked it better, but it was like, because of why how we were disappointed with the way the first one turned out now for the second one we were at least kind of like felt we knew yeah what was going to happen when we turned mm-hmm. like how we adjusted our approach out. based on how yeah. the, like because the first one was so much about intertwining storylines yeah and it was kind of exhausting to watch actually so the second one we tried to keep it like looser but have like go for less but bigger laughs like it like was built more around just a few sequences that we knew would be really funny. And then like the rest of it, we didn't really sweat the details. Well, so the first movie wasn't even supposed to be a national lampoon movie. So it wasn't rated R. Yeah. And then when it became national lampoon lamp, it was like, we have to make it R <laughs> just uh, to sell it. Right. Yeah. Well, so no, they like no, did wait. like reshoots and put some tits uh, in. So really the second one, we, we know there's gotta be nudity, but we tried to like, find ways to incorporate nudity that would be like funny and cheeky and not just like kind of creepy and leering which is kind of how it came up also we were like well if they're gonna make us embarrass ourselves by writing like a titty movie uh we're also gonna make sure there's a like a bunch of naked dudes in it so you've seen it like that's one of jasmine's big scenes is ends with like an army of like 30 naked yeah it turns out she had a ton of naked dudes hiding in her in her room (laughs) that sequence holds up i think yeah i'm pretty sure that's still available on hulu right now isn't it isn't i think so yeah i think so yeah it is oh shit yeah Yeah, along with uh goal and the insatiable our animated show oh sweet yeah did you guys uh get to interact much with uh the late larry drake oh yeah. yeah In fact, I feel like he liked us more than everyone else because, you know, everyone else, because everyone on the movie shit was so young, including us, which was weird because we were oddly young to be the writers of a movie. (laughs) Um, So we, you know, bonded a lot with the cast because, in fact, I think on the first movie, I turned 23 while they were shooting the first movie and I was one of the oldest people 
in the cast because everyone else was like 2021 because because they had the idea of taking all these people like daniel fishel from boy meets world patrick renna from the sandlot kind of like yeah like (laughs) child actors who were kind of trying to age up and do more adult stuff um but so on the second one you know it's all these just like young hollywood kids uh, and we're fucking movie nerds. So Larry Drake loved us because we were just asking him questions about like Dark Man and L.A. Oh, Law yeah. and all yeah. this like, other yeah. stuff. Doctor yeah. Giggles. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love Doctor Giggles. Great. Well, then, so that was when, when I started Friday Night Frights years later. I realized, hey, I still have Larry Drake's email. So, so I emailed him when I showed Doctor Giggles, and he came out. He came out. It. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, yeah. awesome. Well, it's funny, Larry, like, because he took everything very seriously when you'd ask, well, like, what about that scene where you're cutting off that guy's fingers? And he would like, you know, he would like he was a very serious actor. He would talk about how he made the choice of coming up with Dr. Giggles, particular giggle or whatever, you know, it was like <laughs> he, he didn't care if the movie was completely ridiculous. Like he took yeah. it all just as seriously as if he was doing Hamlet at the Globe, you know? Yeah. yeah I do seems- remember on Darkman, for those who remember the movie well enough. Uh, he oh, said Man's that great. he got, I don't know if he got permission or the stunt drivers were just like, or pilots asked if he was interested, but definitely sounds like uh, the insurance company would not have been happy, but apparently he's like in the helicopter uh, for the scenes where they're like flying around with the stunt man, dark man hanging from the ladder. But just cause he was like, this sounds fun. I yeah. want to see what it's like to like fly around in a helicopter stunt sequence. <laughs> so he was all about it then. He yeah, yeah. Larry was a cool guy. He seemed like yeah. such a phenomenal guy. I mean, like, like you could character. you could just tell you could just tell he was he could be terrifying on screen, but off camera he just like you you could just tell he really enjoyed what he did and he like expressing his creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. You, you guys say- got to share that with him. Wasn't Justin Whalen in that movie, The Dorn Days? <laughs> yes, he was. No, that's right. One. Yeah, he the second one. Based, uh, Randy Spelling, Tori Spelling's brother in the first movie. <laughs> As foosball yeah. and played the character in completely the opposite way. <laughs> Justin oh, Whalen, that guy's a real card shark. Don't don't bet against him. Just, no, really? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. So how do you guys face writer's block? Uh I mean the the I guess no fun answer, but the easiest way around writer's block is just to have a deadline that you're going to get in trouble for if you oh, don't really? hit yeah. it. Because uh, definitely when we're when we're on our own schedule, like we don't necessarily always get a lot done. I can see um, that. So so it's always nice to even have an arbitrary deadline if it's not. Even yeah, sometimes not we'll totally assign real. it to ourselves. Like we got to have a rough draft done yeah. by next Friday. I mean, the other trick I suggest to writers all the time is... Um, if you are stuck, like, I feel like a lot of people try and like write from the beginning and continue to plow ahead to the end. Mm-hmm. Anything that's giving you trouble, just skip it. Skip ahead to something later where you know what's yeah. going to happen. Dessert first. If you got an idea for something that's cool, just skip to it. And then yeah. it's like, it's okay to leave like a box with a question mark somewhere behind you and go back and fill yeah. it in later. Cause you'll, you'll realize what it is when you, when yeah, you I'd even take it a step further that I feel like over the years we've started to develop the philosophy of you should definitely not start with the beginning. Cause that's become one of our big pet peeves as far as like working with other mm-hmm. people on projects is them having that mentality of like, well, we got to figure out act one. How, if you don't know act one, 
how can you write the rest of the movie? But every movie we've ever written, you eventually go back and change act one because you kind of figure out what the movie is in act two and three. And then your act one becomes like inaccurate. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's not just make it better. It's like act one sets everything up. And if you don't, if you haven't already written acts two and three, then you don't you don't know what you're setting up. You're like guessing at it. It's like once you know what the ending is, that tells you what the beginning is, and you go back. Yeah, because you're like, oh right wait, I really liked all this stuff ending. that yeah, we've changed this about this character. We should set that up in Act One. You just kind of realize those things, but so all just... the more reason not to get hung up on Act One too much while you're starting. Yeah, because it's always going to be the last thing that you end up rewriting, just about every time. So it's just a bunch of pieces and you just, you try to fill in the missing. I mean, even Sonic 1, I mean, it's just like a big studio movie that they're spending gazillions of dollars on. Act 1 and that changed, I wouldn't say dramatically because they didn't do any reshoots, but that changed a lot in just editing. Like they shot the whole movie, edited a whole cut. Everyone was kind of like, it's just like taking too long to get Sonic and James Marsden together. We need to just like Mm. chop out a bunch of shit and kind of rethink how we want to structure this. Did that piss you guys off or did you like that? No, because no, I mean, we were like right participating move. too. Yeah. Like we yeah. were like in the <laughs> editing room being like, let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of that. Like let's yeah. open. Yeah. I mean, they lost some fun stuff, but it's also like the whole movie's more important generally than any, yeah. you know, handful of jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did like the scene that we had, we kept only just a smidgen of in the movie, but where crazy Carl, is like telling everyone at the bar about the blue devil. Uh, <laughs> so funny. That guy was great. And I liked the I'm, setup because in I'm that he's glad that how, his, uh... Oh, Sonic, like, or the blue devil, like, steals batteries. And, like, originally, like, he said that we didn't know what the batteries were for. And then we cut to Sonic in the cave putting the batteries in his boom box. Yeah. And oh, I think I it's all on the, like, Blu ray special features, which is good. I would say because Crazy Carl was a character we really liked, and there used to be a lot more of him mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, the whole movie opened with this kind of 80s Steven Spielberg style scene of Crazy Carl trying to catch the mysterious creature that lived in the woods. But then that was funny because that even broke one of our own rules on the movie was that we were always, when like kind of pitching and trying to get the job, our idea was just that, like, this shouldn't be a movie about a human star who befriends Sonic. It's called Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, it's about yeah. Sonic be who character. befriends a human. Like it's it's got to be centered on Sonic. He's got to be our protagonist because if he's Absolutely. not, people are gonna What's be. You got to give the people what they want, and the the people of course. people who are coming buying a ticket to Sonic, they want Sonic. That's what they're there but for. We, yeah, but we all love the idea of that opening scene. But then I would say that you kind of realize watching the whole movie all together when it was done, everyone was just like, it takes a little too long for Sonic to present himself as the lead. We should just begin with him and his voiceover and everything right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And it was the right move. So, how did you guys land the job to write the screenplay for Sonic? That was just off a general meeting, which for those who don't know what that means, that those are like the meetings that often feel kind of pointless where they're just like, you should go meet so-and-so at this company. And then you sit down and you're like, oh, this is, we met in detention. Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, we tell that story. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and, and I'd say nine out of 10 times, those don't really go anywhere. And at best, it is just that now you know that person. But it's just funny because people, executives are constantly switching what companies they work at. So yeah. you'll end up having generals with the same different people, the same people 
now at different companies like over the years, but we were just having a general with Toby Asher at uh, Neil Moritz's company about nothing in particular. What I think it was just straight up because sometimes they're also like, oh, we got the rights to this book. We're trying to see if there are writers who have any good. Yeah, but we were really just shooting the it. shit with Toby, kind of talking about what we'd been Hell doing. Yeah. He was talking about what he was doing. And we spotted he had a couple of pictures of Sonic on his wall. And we were just like, Sonic? Is there a Sonic yeah. movie? Is this happening? You need writers? Yeah. Um, but they had no writers. And we told him like, okay, well, after they fail, give us a call. Yeah, fire those guys. Um, <laughs> As kind of a joke, but then it worked. He did remember that we'd said that. And a few months later, he called us and was just like, well, nobody's really happy with like where it's at now. We kind of want to start over. Do you guys have some ideas? And we were like, yes. Wow. Uh, Which is another, I'd I'd say, pearl of wisdom for people starting out. Uh, If you're in a producer or executive's office and you see, because that's all their offices are full of like the books they've had to read and comics yeah. they've had to read to see if they want to get the rights to stuff or something they really love that they hung up themselves. So if you see something that you like too, like definitely point it out and be like, mm-hmm. oh my God, you also love blah. And uh, even when he <laughs> asked us that question of like, do you guys have ideas for Sonic? We said yes, but the answer was no. But we knew we could come up with ideas before our scheduled meeting to follow up yeah. with this. Uh, it was like, yeah, we got off the call. We were like, all right, now we got to figure out what a Sonic movie is. We said we yes. do, but we don't yet. But we, we so will. What was, the first, <laughs> what was the first thing you did when you got that call? Like what, what ideas were we first having, you mean? Or Like what did you immediately do? Did you just start writing that day or did you just like that week meet together? I don't remember. Uh, I mean, I think we were probably already <laughs> together. We usually like, well, COVID's different. So now yeah. we get together. Yeah, when we got that like, call, I don't think we chat. were together because I think I remember doing it in my front yard. Yeah. Um, oh, was that? Like, case? I have like a memory of that call. Because I also think I got cut off in the middle of the call when he was explaining what the plot of the previous draft was. And I missed that part completely. And you had to tell oh, me okay. later. Um, <laughs> I was like, what? But yeah, what? we just started brainstorming. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, and this, I feel like this is how it should always go, but almost never does is because for big projects like this, you enter what they call in the industry a bake-off where it's like you and a bunch of other writers all going in, not together. Like usually they won't even tell you who the other writers are. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you, you each come up with your ideas and then you pitch your ideas. Then they pick the one they like best. And, or like with any job or sometimes then there's like, they keep whittling it down and you have to keep going. And, and they're making everybody do people. more and more free work is often how yeah. it goes. Um, and, you know, for us, it's always frustrating because we're like, well, you know, we're just the writers on this movie. This isn't, we're not like David Lynch. This isn't <laughs> our like vision for a movie. Yeah, yeah. we're you giving you ideas. What... But yeah, if you, if you know what you want the movie to be, you can just tell us what that is and we could write it. Yeah, we'll write it. Uh, But that never happens. Yeah, Yeah, but that basically is what happened. Yeah, we pitched uh, up the chain. We pitched to Sega. We pitched to Neil Moritz over the phone while he was on the set of one of the Fast and the Furious movies. And pitching (laughs) over the phone is hard because you can't see if someone likes it or doesn't. It was totally silent because he also was like, I only have a half hour, you guys. Just go. I won't say anything. So we just like... It was whatever one they shot in Cuba because I feel like he was in Cuba. I think, yeah, that was Fate of the Furious, the like the prologues in cuba anyway so we did it and then like 
we saw or we got an email about how like they were hiring Jeff Fowler as director and Tim as Tim Miller as exec producer. We thought that meant we didn't get it. But then our agents were like, no, no, they want they like you guys a lot. They're like buying Jeff's pitch. Mm-hmm. But like so they, they didn't want our pitch, but they did want us. We had impressed enough in this bake off process or then we got called in to talk to Jeff and Tim and then to like the head of Columbia uh, wow. who had the movie at the time. And this was like while we were like in the middle of production on our horror series, 12 Deadly Days, which was like an anthology series where we had to shoot a new episode with a new cast every three days. So it was pure chaos. And we were also trying to land this Sonic job at the same time. And like Mm -hmm. we had to drive back to Hollywood and do this meeting at columbia like the day before i had to start shooting an episode i was directing that i was like oh wow really so we were shooting about. in pomona yeah. which is, you know <laughs> as the crow flies not that far away but with horrible la inland yeah. empire traffic it takes like hours oh, yeah. just to get there but somehow we managed to talk our way into this job and then it was sort of like we got together with jeff to like fill out his pitch which then the three of us quickly realized actually that pitch wasn't going to work. So we kind of threw it out together and came up with a new one, which is what the movie became where it was all about. Yeah. Sonic having uh, been stranded on earth and growing up in the woods and watching movies through the windows, the whole kind of <laughs> little, little mermaid <laughs> element of it is what yeah. when we hit upon that. Very we were like, Oh yeah, this is, this right here is the movie. So, uh, did you envision Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik or did that just fall into place? Not, I mean, the, that like the, trying to think of the shortest answer to that. Cause that was like the one area where it seemed like no one was on the same page. Everyone was on the same page of what the movie was going to be like and what yeah. Sonic was going to be like. It seemed like everyone had their own idea of how, what Robotnik should be like. And we were definitely on the side where we felt like, well, this is like a comedy he should be a funny villain and other people thought he should be, well, he needs, he needs yeah. to be like scary. If he's funny. He's not scary, but we were like, just because he's funny doesn't mean he's not also scary. He could be both. Oh, he can be I should also say when we started the movie, it was going to be PG 13 and everyone expected it to be a little tone toned a little bit more like Ant-Man or one of the like kind of softer Marvel movies. So I guess the argument could be like, well, the Marvel movies usually have a scary villain, but um, we're also yeah. like, I mean, his name is Dr. Robotnik. How, how seriously are you ever really going to take <laughs> a villain named Robotnik? Um, but so that, that was like, it's like a, from our perspective, because we thought he should be funny. That was kind of a nice, uh, happy accident was just that mm-hmm. when they got to Jim Carrey's name on like a casting option and like, we're going to go out and try to get him. Yeah. Our thought was based on what he'd been doing in his career at that point. We're just like, Oh man, I don't know if Jim Carrey wants to make, this kind of movie anymore but then happily uh he did and then the moment he signed on obviously he was like i want this character to be funny yeah it's like they kept kind of making us take out jokes and then once jim was on board it was like time to put the jokes back we were like yay (laughs) so how do they how do they offer the role to jim like did who sits down with them to offer it to him i mean i think we don't know (laughs) yeah i think when you're that big of a star uh i don't think anyone like goes i mean it's basically (laughs) I think you deal with the head of the studio, which yeah. no other actor would ever do. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's mostly just about how good the offer is. Yeah, I see. I mean, maybe Neil called him and talked him into it, possibly. Let's see if it seems yeah, like a thing Neil would do. Maritz has like, you know, he knows everybody and he he carries a lot of weight. He can, he can call anybody in the world on their personal phone and they'll take the call, basically. <laughs> 
So when did you guys get to meet him? Like how far into the process? Jim, you mean? Yeah. That wasn't until we went up to visit the set in Vancouver. Yeah, we met him on set. And then like we've gotten to know him a little better since then, actually, like after yeah the movie came out and it was everybody liked it and uh we got together with jim at his place to talk about stuff for sonic 2 mm-hmm. the one point we ran yeah. on the street that, that's the only thing that sucks about when they shoot something <laughs> outside of la is that it's like we can't really visit the set that often yeah no yeah. for sure uh, yeah, but he's like, amazing like and oh, we're dude. so happy that he got involved because he, oh, he absolutely dude. crushed it oh, dude he he, was perfect. He, killed, he killed it and the one scene that that made me laugh the most was when sonic just first steps out and jim sees them the, the scream is what made me fucking lose it i don't think we can take credit for that but that's actually it's funny you brought that up because also <laughs> you know we're not in the editing room that often yeah uh, unless there was a specific scene that they're like we need to rewrite sonic's dialogue you know you don't <laughs> You don't really need the writers in the editing room. That's the editor's job. But we just happened to be visiting uh, the post-production facilities to say hi to everyone. And they were had been editing that scene. And the editor was like, hey, as long as you guys are here, let's get your second opinion. It's like, which of these do you like better? And it was like Jim screaming and Jim not screaming. And we were like, <laughs> definitely Jim screaming. Yeah, and, the editor, and the editor was like, aha! Yeah. As you could tell, that was some moment where she really... Someone else it. had been like, this feels like too much. But like, is it... <laughs> when it comes to Jim Carrey, is too much ever too much? Never. Yeah. There's like, never too never, much Jim. Never. So, so we were happy that we were like, oh, I like to think we we helped tip that, that argument over to the side of him screaming. Yeah. Like a baby. So, what was it like seeing Sonic on the big screen for the first time? Oh man, pretty awesome. Yeah, I I cried to be honest, like right at the beginning, and like not even at at the premiere. I think I was like, there's so much going on. Yeah, that like it was hard for to sink in, but it was interesting, like watching it with the crowd. But then it was like we went and saw it again, opening weekend at the AMC Burbank 16 with like a full crowd of paying customers. And it was like that, that I like looked at everybody's faces as the movie was starting. And I was just like, I was overwhelmed that this had occurred. Well, it was Um, by far the biggest project we'd ever worked on. And like, I'd say by and large, aside from just a few projects, we've always been kind of disappointed with how, the projects that we have no control over where we just yeah. are writers or sold a script, how those turned out. And usually we're always really upset with how bad the like trailers and posters and marketing. So mm. without that initial stuff happened with everyone hated the first Sonic design, we were like, no, it's happening yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that second trailer that. and then people really turned around and embraced it, which like, I wasn't totally expecting them to like, we saw that second trailer before it came out and I was like, this is a much better trailer, but will the public yeah. give us a real, a real second chance or are they just going to like, just want to continue dunking on us forever? I wasn't really sure how people were going to react. So that like restored yeah. my faith in humanity a little bit. Temporarily. <laughs> I mean, the, the animation so. was definitely a lot better the second time oh, yeah. around. But I, I think that there were definitely a lot, were a lot of people that were still giving it shit just because they like doing that and being like keyboard warriors. But I mean, it ended up working out. Well, yeah, because yeah. like, uh, well, yeah, because I know they they said that there was like the problem with like, well, people were complaining about his look or something like that. Yeah, yeah well, it's funny people kept yeah. saying like oh, yeah. he has teeth, but it's like, well, of course he has teeth. Is he not gonna have teeth? <laughs> I guess like they just didn't like. Oh, I guess the specific design of his teeth. Yeah. Um. So they were conscious of that. I mean, the funny about the previous design, like 
its real problem was that it looked kind of ugly from certain angles. It also looked really cute from other angles. Just no one really got to see those mm-hmm. in that one trailer. But yeah, I mean, we were happy happier with the newer design where he was yeah. like super cute from every angle. I, I kept pitching like we he should have like a little pot belly like his original design in <laughs> Sonic One, but nobody nobody liked my pot belly idea. No, I was like the pot belly. <laughs> but I felt the like Sonic- it would make him extra roly poly and cute because it's like ideally that was like my we didn't really have any input into the design, but we did tell yeah. him like the important thing is that people want to pick him up and hug him. That's like what what we should be going for. He's got to be yeah. huggable, cute and bubbly. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys, like you said, you saw it at AMC 16. So would you like sit in on the audiences and see what the vibe was like and how they liked it? I mean, I really saw it a few times and opening night, uh, us and Jeff and Toby Mm -hmm. and Ben Schwartz, like went around to a few different theaters to just kind of like pop in. Yeah. We kept trying to show up right as the movie was ending so we could see everyone reacting to the post-credits tales reveal and yeah, then as oh, soon yeah. as that tail scene was done, they would bring up the house lights and run up to the front of the theater and everyone would see Ben and go insane. And then he would do a little oh, wow. Q&A. And then I was not prepared <laughs> for how much the audience lost their shit at Tails. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's also funny, you put anything in a movie that's supposed to be a surprise and it's like, you kind of forget yeah. that it's like really supposed to be a surprise. But even then I still kind of assumed that it would just be people would be like, either expecting that to happen. Like I bet tails is going to show up Yeah, like uh, Samuel <laughs> Jackson at the end of Iron Man. And even then I still feel like people would be like, I say hey, tails. Yeah. The fact that everyone like lost their shit in some of yeah. the screenings we went to where it was just like, Whoa, People no, I remember. Really like tales. I remember when that happened. People literally like jumped out of their seat. They're like, no way. But it was definitely like really early on like when we were just figuring out what the story was, because initially we were talking about versions that kind of had Tails in the whole thing, where Tails was like in Sonic's world, Mm -hmm. at least, you know? But then it was like, once we realized he wasn't going to be in any of that stuff, we were like, just like, well, we got to do him as a post-credit scene. He'll be our Nick Fury. That was like, I feel like we knew that before we really knew what like 80% of the movie was. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were points where like, they were just cutting it out too. Because they're like, well, we're going to have to like build and animate this character. That's like, well, it wasn't in any of the test screenings because we didn't wind up getting out at that point, which made some people be like, they only added the tails thing after everyone was mad about the the trailer. But no, it was like the very first. It was always going to be there. We just didn't want it to leak before the movie came out. I also love the the crazy animation they did on the the Mushroom Land with Jim Carrey at the end. (laughs) Yeah. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. That was funny too because that was something that was added, I would say last second, but like, Uh, that was kind of a last second thing. And I feel like they initially, they didn't even necessarily know what they were going to, was going to look like. And I remember they were building the mushrooms there when we were visiting. Yeah. Like um, just like basically 10 square feet of mushrooms so that, you know, like Jim could smack one or whatever. And then the rest yeah. of it obviously was all digital, but I feel like that we, was cool to see. We like wrote that done. scene, like while we were on set, cause we yeah. showed up to hang out, oh, wow. basically. but then they always were like, as soon as we appeared, they were like, guys, you got to rewrite the scene. We need this. We need that. So we were always oh, being, wow. being put to yeah. work. Uh, so, so above all you, you guys think that Sonic turned out better than you had imagined. Oh, for sure. Not, yeah. not I mean, we imagined mind, it turning but... it out good, yeah. But like, it's like you never really know. There's always there's so much that can go wrong. On well, a movie. and there was definitely points where it felt like it was going wrong <laughs> yeah. too. Oh, of course, yeah, uh, yeah, process. 
Yeah, so when you, it was all said and done, I, I was definitely like, oh man, yeah, this all like worked out perfectly. Yeah, I mean, the, like, again, you don't know how the public is going to react, but like just the week before it came out, like I finally, I watched the final cut mm-hmm. with my girlfriend just like to be like, is this good? Let's watch this and try, like, just try and look <laughs> at it objectively. And at the end, I was just like, I feel, I feel like it's good, right? Yeah, it's good. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> but then, you, yeah, you just don't, you don't know until everybody sees it. Was there any particular scenes that like blew your mind, like when you finally saw it, or anything you felt that could have been done slightly differently? Well, the one thing I felt we, the one thing we always felt confident was going to be good was yeah. like, well, the action's going to be good because they went, you know, it was Jeff Fowler's first feature, uh, and he was kind of Tim Miller's protege, and they were using a lot of the people from Tim's company where Jeff has worked forever, uh, Blur Studios, and we kind of felt again that when when the project was at Sony, they wanted it to be kind of more like a PG 13 Marvel movie, which is why I think they went with Tim and Jeff and how the guy, and they went with us. Yeah. Instead of like some other people who did a bunch of kids movies. Yeah. I think if it had started at Paramount as a PG movie, I don't think, Pat yeah, and I would have. They never would have. Actually, I don't even know if Tim and Jeff would have wound up on the project either. But so <laughs> wow. we were like, the action's going to be cool. I feel good about that. No matter what else happens with the movie, I feel like what people expect a Sonic the Hedgehog movie to be, which mm-hmm. I feel like everyone was just like, it's going to be like fucking Elvin and the Chipmunks or something. <laughs> yeah, a big moment <laughs> though is be. like when Sonic rises up and faces off against Robotnik in his ship yeah. and all the lasers yeah. and like the reflections of Sonic in the goggles. Like the first yeah. time I saw that little bit, I was like, oh, hell yes. This is oh, this yeah. is what this is all about. I was I was so <laughs> pleased with how epic that was. And I still I feel like my favorite bit, because it got for a while it got cut out of the movie and then got put back in in the script, not like the finished movie. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, was the scene of Sonic playing baseball all by himself. Oh, I love it. Because that was an idea we had really early on of like, well, what can we do that's like fun about Sonic? Obviously, we've all seen plenty of the flash and quicksilver and stuff and if, there's nonetheless going to be repeat bit bits because there's only so much you can do with a super fast guy but we're like well we have the thing though that sonic spends all his time by himself and doesn't have any friends mm-hmm. so we liked the idea that he uses his speed to kind of pretend that he's his own friend yeah, to play characters and stuff I re- like that scene wasn't so cool. in the outline and i remember we just put it in the script because we thought of it and then when jeff saw it he was like this baseball bit's great but it feels like it's a bit much you guys like he was just like <laughs> well i think our original version of it was like five pages yeah yeah there was even more too. there was like him pretending oh, wow. to be like fans in the in the stands and stuff <laughs> There was like, you know, so like what? when Bugs Bunny dresses up like a girl, like he was doing that <laughs> to like cheer for himself. Oh, hell yeah. Kisses and stuff. Awesome. Uh, so like that was, it was a pared down version made it into the yeah. movie. So what was it like? So what was it like visiting the set? I mean, it had to have been interesting. Like, did you have to like, so obviously you only probably saw certain scenes since you were, you weren't there the whole time, but did you have to like, did you, so like, what did they do? Did they envision like, did they have a stand in for like, places where sonic supposedly was or did they it was a variety of things sometimes it was the classic you know tennis ball on a stick they also had a full-sized like both just an entirely blue shiny yeah one that was like made out of foam and was kind of posable (laughs) and then like a more like photorealistic one so like they would kind of run through a scene often with like one of the assistant directors like holding sonic and kind of yeah. showing where Sonic was going to move and do so the actors could get it. 
And then they would like take him out. And then I feel like a lot of the times it was like Marsden would just remember where Sonic was going to be. Well, and they also had a guy on set to do Sonic's lines. Yeah, so a local like Vancouver, like improv comedy guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, playing um, but, Sonic. But, but that was interesting because he was always kind of like off camera though. It, was, it wasn't like he was covered in mocap dots or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they had to digitally erase him. Yeah, the way that um, they do Rocket Raccoon on uh But so I guess point being is that it was, uh, mm-hmm. there was like a lot of things going into just conveying his presence on set to the actors more than just the tennis ball on a stick yeah so did you guys ever play the sonic games in your youth oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah 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 of course <laughs> especially a lot of sonic 2 sonic 2 was like a great mm-hmm. uh two-player game because i always hated the the old style of two-player games like on mario and stuff it was always just you'd play as mario and then you die and hand the controller to your friend and then he'd play the same level as luigi and you would kind of just take turns watching each other play video games which i know some people like that's kind of the twitch exists mm-hmm. purely so you can watch other people play video games um but i liked being able like in an arcade where you could play at the same time. yeah well like double totally. dragon yeah. or ninja turtles or whatever like two-player beat-em-ups sonic yeah because like i mean sonic 2 was like you were sonic and then you had like tails for your little brother but then they also there was like a versus mode in Sonic Two, where like this, it was a <laughs> yeah, which you and your brother yeah. would do a lot. Which yeah, me and me and my brother would play all the time, uh, mm-hmm. where it was like there were different categories, and whoever won the most categories at the end of a level won that level, which was like you know mm-hmm. fastest time, most rings across the finish line, most like item boxes. I forget. It was really fun. We played it a ton though. No, uh, like, yeah, it was great yeah little brothers maybe if your like girlfriend didn't care about video games or just a friend who didn't care i felt it's good for conversation because whoever was playing tales was like barely having to pay attention to the game on certain bosses uh, i would cheat i would use tails and i would play with both controllers at the same time so i had like oh, one shit. thumb keeping sonic <laughs> another one awesome. using tails to attack so you can like yes. hit dr robotnik and fall into the water and then you just control sonic and tail tail tails comes back and then use tails to attack again <laughs> hell yeah 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 so, so that was you... that oh go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead my, no, my uh my my ass wipe of a father sold my my sega oh <laughs> so, so yeah i don't have that anymore i was just gonna say that it was fun to then do the the sonic movie because i'd say Certainly for that era after the original Nintendo, I'd say Sonic 2 and maybe Turtles in Time were the two games that I played the most. Hell yeah. Uh, in like whatever age well, they and, were. At and that like time. with Sonic, when we got the job too, it was kind of like they also were like, you got to start immediately and we need a treatment instantaneously because we thought maybe we would get a chance to like do some research or they yeah. would send us material to like make us familiar with everything in the Sonic universe, but they really didn't. And we had no time. So we were like, we're basing this movie on everything we remember from our childhoods. And if we don't remember it, it's not important. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of the idea behind this adaptation. It's like, we, we got to incorporate the things that feel like they're important to us decades later. If, if, if we it. remember it, that's, that's really the key elements. And actually that mm-hmm. turned out to be fortuitous because <laughs> we eventually learned well after we were like into writing the script um, that, you know, the, the rights, the, the rights are all over the place for like the comic books and some of the other later games. So it's like, we couldn't even use a lot of the like, cause 
you know, I don't know how much you guys have ever looked into the comics or the other games or their other mm-hmm. shows, but it's like the uh, mythology gets pretty expansive. Uh, yeah. from like I've never what done the remembered from because the first three games are so simple mm-hmm. and there's not that many characters. Yeah. Um, but then it turned out it's like, oh, we couldn't have used almost any of those other characters or bits. Or it's or unclear anyway. if we could. You know, it's like sometimes yeah. we ask, like, can we use this character? Can we use this idea? And they're like, well, wouldn't maybe we're not sure. <laughs> and we're like, that sounds like a no to us. Yeah. Let us That's know when you are sure, I guess. That's yeah. funny. So did you guys go back and play the games to get some inspiration while you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. were writing? While we're because we were in Pomona shooting 12 Deadly Days, like Pat was mm-hmm. saying. And we found out we got the job while we were still shooting it. And we both used that as an excuse. And then we drove, we found like a Target nearby and we went and got a Nintendo uh, 3DS. Did we yeah, get the 3D yeah, one? The 3DSs. But, but because we found out that, because, you know, again, those not paying attention, just funny because Sega and Nintendo had such a rivalry in the 90s. But then when Sega decided to stop making consoles, now all the Sonic games are on Nintendo. Mm. Um, but so for the 3DS, they had a cartridge that had the first four Sonic games on it. So we're like, yeah. fuck yeah. We got, go you know, that. Sonic Mania and Sonic Generations oh, yeah. and stuff too. I yeah. just went out onto like the PlayStation store. I was just like, this, 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 boom, let's play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was fun to just get get in get in the groove i mean playing an appropriate video game for the thing you're writing we, we wrote this movie last year tentatively titled violent night um but that would probably will be titled something else by the time it comes out which is going to be like a big action movie yeah directed by david leach uh of john wick and hobbs and shaw fame oh, but like sick oh, hell yeah. while we were writing that i would play pistol whip every morning on the oculus quest <laughs> To just like get in the mode of like I yeah, am dude. John Wick, uh, and I kill a hundred <laughs> people and then take my headset off and, Such and a bad write up some action scenes. You know, <laughs> now we're doing a uh, like a car chase movie. So I've been playing car like driving. I've been playing a uh, Forza. For <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember Burnout. I like Burnout. Oh yeah, yeah Burnout was fun as hell. Late. That was later, but yeah. Burnout three. That was great. That was my favorite. Burnout one. three was the one. That was the one I played. <laughs> yeah. PlayStation two, right? uh yeah i yeah. guess so it was P- it was yeah. gs2 oh man it yeah, all kind of blurs three. together so good um i love the aesthetic in josh's room right now attack of the jack-o'-lanterns pretty cool oh, pretty cool see that? Oh, yeah, i can see can. that on a weird corner and then uh you got billy bass my pet monster everyone thinks that's it's not a, that's a real a, fish yeah this is a real fish i caught when i was like a little kid and i was so oh. proud of myself i asked my parents if i could it. get it even though it's like this <laughs> big and my parents are like all right Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I got Vincent Price. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! Black Creature Lagoon. Black Lagoon. Some Robocop killer clowns up What's there. What's the animated one? Like the big one. That's Golden cool the Insatiable. Yeah, that's our TV show. Oh hell yeah! Okay. Fox years ago. I got checked. Still that out. on Hulu. I could go on and on about Robocop. I love that franchise so much. It's a great movie. It is. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so that golden there... painting there—that's that's by Doug Olson, right, Josh? Yeah. Doug Einer Olson, who was one of our directors on Goal and the Insatiable and is one of the board artists on the on yeah. both Sonic movies. Mm-hmm. We like ended up bringing a lot of the Goal and the Insatiable team with us mm-hmm. onto Sonic. Uh, Which is fine, because it's normally as writers, you really have no influence whatsoever on yeah. crew hiring. And you guys uh, done a couple like kids things now. You did like a Hot Wheels thing, right? That is true. That, yeah, that was that we were doing at the same time as Golan, which was funny because Golan, yeah. the demands of that needing to be like hip and 
edgy and for adults and then mm-hmm. hot wheels they knew exactly what they wanted we were like they need we need stuff that six-year-olds are going to find hilarious we were like what if he falls <laughs> down it hurts his butt and they're like oh my god it's great <laughs> yeah. but basically Genius. we were writing golan awesome. like monday through friday all day and then like on the weekends it was like time to crank out some hot wheels it was like our you know it was our oh, part i don't know if you can watch those anywhere anymore um they're on youtube i think actually oh, at they? least i'm not sure where like at first they were on netflix but i don't think they're on netflix yeah. anymore so was there anything that you wanted in Sonic that you couldn't get approval for besides what you've already mentioned? Like, is there anything that was like gold that they were just like, nah? Not really. I mean, the the story had changed because we used to be like a whole other villain who I think really was not a good idea and wisely, mm-hmm. even though I think largely was cut from the movie for budgetary reasons. Yeah, I mean, the but- movie also used to have like just more of like Sonic's world. Yeah. We had like created a bunch of new animal characters too. There was like a council of, uh, of uh, yeah, that was like a very early version. But, but like a couple like of the what... characters we made up for that council were really cool, and I, I would maybe yeah. someday can appear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there was really anything because like we were writing it initially in such a vacuum yeah. of just us and Jeff and Toby popping in and out. Um, that there was very little studio oversight at that point. And by the time it mm-hmm. moved to Paramount, it was kind of like the, the movie had already been mm-hmm. mostly baked into what it was. So there wasn't much of that feeling of like not being allowed to do. Oh, one thing that we almost did that I wish we would have had is <laughs> even though it actually worked out just fine, but in the movie, when he's watching speed and repeating yeah. the catchphrases from it. Oh, right. At one point we were going to shoot a fake action movie starring Nicolas Cage. What? Um, where <laughs> oh, Nicolas Cage. Excessive force. So we like wrote oh. this whole scene for Nick Cage where he has these tough guy catchphrases. Oh. And then that's what Sonic was going to repeat in the bar. Yeah, fight the idea scene. was going to be like, you know, home alone and the angel yeah. with filthy Angels with filthy souls. Angels with filthy souls. souls. Yeah. Angels with yeah, dirty yeah. fate. Oh, yeah. Angels. Filthy souls. Filthy yeah. souls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. we, we wanted to create this generation's new, you know, <laughs> filthy animal uh, line. But that one, that, yeah, but that wasn't something where we weren't allowed to do. They tried really yeah, hard. Yeah, they to tried, do it, but, but then it didn't quite, it, it never quite fit in the schedule. They just didn't have enough money to get a real actor to come do it in the time frame they had. Well, and it was just like we were, yeah, we were up against it scheduling wise as well. But yeah, Nick but Cage. But at the same time, it's kind of fun that Keanu's in yeah, Sonic. Yeah, yeah. Secretly, yeah. I want to see you guys write some kind of Nick Cage movie. I think you'd kill it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Someday we'll do it. I mean, writing for him was a lot of fun because we were both just doing our Nick Cage impression while saying all yeah. of the lines. Yeah, I feel like yeah. there's some good cheese ball lines in a yeah. like one minute movie script. What'd you guys think of Color Out of Space? I liked it. I yeah, still I haven't seen it. it actually. I gotta I gotta catch it. I didn't yeah. think it was as good as like Mandy, but yeah, it's like a mixed bag, but it's it's yeah. it's definitely got some pretty good shit in there. Uh-oh, did oh, did he freeze? freeze again? Yeah, he's he's got a question. <laughs> I, I'll just I'll just ask it. Uh, what can we expect out of the sequel? Any cameo appearances or new characters you can tell us about? Uh, I think we're probably not allowed to say anything about. I that. figured that. Yeah, that that was a good time for Ed to <laughs> freeze out. I will yeah, say that, was, that, that yeah, it's going to be, you know, because the first one was successful. The second one's going to be bigger. 
more action right. and it's going to have a lot of stuff in it that you're going to like that's what i get yeah, i won't I, say, I will say but we were keeping it in mind you know <laughs> yeah, like what, what are people going to be excited about let's get all it in four of us us jeff and toby are surprised it's almost the inverse of ed's previous question of what the studio won't <laughs> let us do is we wrote I wish I could remember Tim Miller's exact quote that Jeff relayed, relayed to us after he read it. But basically, I'm just like, wow, you guys uh, wrote a real big movie here. <laughs> yeah. Meaning, meaning kind of like, uh, they're not going to let you do any of this stuff. This movie is going to be way too expensive. But yeah, they're letting mm -hmm. us do almost all of it. Well, I think they found a way to not make it ridiculously expensive. Also, yeah, is that, yeah more mm -hmm. expensive than the first one. But I think everyone wisely realized that part of the first movie's success was that it didn't cost as much as you think it did because mm -hmm. it technically made more than Detective Pikachu in North America, but not that wow. much more. And the reason they haven't made Detective Pikachu 2 yet is because Detective Pikachu costs twice as much as Sonic. So it's just oh, like that. Yeah. The, the, the profit levels on the first movie uh, really, I think, were in direct relation to the fact that they made the movie affordably. Mm -hmm. But Sonic 2, Actually, yeah, definitely. It's like full of, like when I was picturing as we were kind of wrapping up the draft and I was just like thinking about all the moments in this movie that are tra trailer moments. Yeah. And just like, man, the trailer for this movie, it's going to be insane. It's going to break mm -hmm. the internet, guaranteed. Yeah, I was really <laughs> dreading when they would tell us, uh, you know, because like on the first movie, it's like once they get, once they do the budget and kind of get into the real production draft, it's sort of like, well, we got to lose this scene. Yeah. We got to lose this whole other character. It's a CG mm -hmm. character, just too expensive. Um, and uh, so I was just expecting that to happen. And we really only lost one thing, which we can't, I don't, can't mention because I'm hoping maybe we could stick it in part yeah. three, if there is yeah. a part three. Yeah. Um, but really other than that, this one would have been a really fun uh, robotic scene. Um, all the other crazy shit that we put in the script is going to be in the movie, which oh, is kind yeah. of mind boggling. Yeah, the That's Robotnik scene, unfortunately, they were like, this is a lot and it really has nothing to do with the plot. We were like, but it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> possibly part three, possibly part three. So, uh, <laughs> Josh, tell us about your podcast, Best Movies Never Made. I've been enjoying it. Uh, well, thank you. Um, well, for those who, or I guess if you haven't seen the documentary Yordorowski's Dune, you should go mm -hmm. check it out immediately. Yeah, it's an incredible movie. Yeah, yeah, about what would have been an adaptation of the novel Dune mm -hmm. 10 years before the 80s version. And it also would have cost like $400 million in the 70s. So it would have been like proportionately still the most expensive movie ever made. So it didn't get made, but it's a documentary all about that and the pre-production and all sorts of stuff. But my friend, Steven Scarlatta wrote and produced that doc. And he's mm -hmm. kind of, for those who know him, kind of just his brand almost is uh, unmade movie stuff. And so we started this podcast that each episode is just a different, interesting, unmade movie. Sometimes we have the filmmakers on, like we recently had Rob Schraub talking about uh, when him and Dan Harmon did Heat Vision and Jack, which is mm -hmm. a, semi-famous failed pilot with Jack Black and Rob's attempts to turn that into a movie. And then after that, then we had, well, sometimes we'll just have fun guests on. Like we just had Pat on and a couple other guests to talk about oh, nice. George Miller's uh, Justice League Mortal oh, that yeah. came so close to getting made. Yeah. It just got shut down kind of at the last second. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's 
particularly interesting to see what that movie would have been mm-hmm. while we're also now all watching the Snyder cut. Didn't you do one on like the Super Mario Bros. movies too? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Pat was on that episode There's like as well. Three, there that was episodes? our Sonic tie-in uh, yeah. episode. Hilarious. Yeah, we like recorded before Sonic came out, but it, the pod like came out after Sonic came out. So if you want to like hear yeah. us being extremely uncertain of whether or not Sonic would succeed, you can listen to that <laughs> yeah. podcast and just hear two very <laughs> nervous guys. Oh god, I gotta hear that. <laughs> So you've done horror screenings for Friday Night Frights for over nine years now. How eager are you to get back to that? And do you have any fun events that are brewing? Um, as far as brewing, I think there's just a couple shows that we had scheduled mm-hmm. um, that got canceled because of COVID. So I think some of those will be the first things up. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're allowed to come back, mm-hmm. I've been having fun doing the Twitch version. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mostly in part because it's so different from what a live show would mm-hmm. be. Um, like, I, I don't think Twitch is a good way to watch a classic horror movie <laughs> yeah. like The Shining. It's a great way to watch something like our uh, stupid movie, Game Box 1.0. Hell yeah. Um, and it, it does remind me of like just hanging out with your friends, mm-hmm. watching weird shit with, with the chat function. Yeah, no, which I for think sure. you can you can see the chat even if you're not signed in commenting on it, I think. But you can't interact. You can't interact, but there, it's just kind of fun to see people's running commentary. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward stuff. to this game box one. Uh, what day was that again? Everybody I want to watch us. it. It's always the first Friday of the month, so that'll be May 7th, oh, uh, 7.30 okay. p.m. L.A. Perfect. time. Game Box 1.0 cool. is a movie I think that it's it's very easy to make fun of, but also very easy to enjoy at the same time. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what it's for. Yeah, it's wait. like we have, I mean, I think they're now so old that... Uh, we can look back again fondly. But for a while, we were definitely pretty embarrassed yeah. by the Dorm Days movies, mainly because we just like, that was still our best credit. I yeah, think. so it would always be like, these guys, the, the Dorm Days guys. And we're like, we're more than just the Dorm Days guys. Those yeah, are like, oh, <laughs> define us. It's like, we just wrote those movies. Yeah. Uh, Game Box, though, that was like, you know, growing up loving like Roger Corman stuff. Oh, it's like yeah. that. I always wanted just to get a time machine and have all our early credits just be these like cheap. Yeah. I wish movies. we could have done more of these like cheap sci-fi thrillers. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we have fun. one and that's game box. That's our cheese ball. Game box was what? Budget. Like 2004 ish. I think. Yeah. It was the yeah. second thing we did. We oh, were okay. originally writing, talking about best movies never made. We, they were having us write a Jekyll and Hyde movie. And um, then, like while we were in the middle of working on that thing, but not too the- far into it. So we weren't that mad. We'd only written like, yeah, 30, yeah. Or, yeah, I think I read it recently and it was like 60 pages, but it was really, that was really only like the first 30 pages yeah, of the script. Was, we were going to have to yeah. cut half of that fluff. out. Uh, well, they also didn't have money for that. I think that was just like a hypothetical project. And they called us and they're like, we have money to do this game. But then they were calling it game over. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, let's do this. And we're like, all right. So then we just segued into that one. But yeah, no, and for that, the pay was so low also. We were like, all right, we're going to have to do this real fast. And we were, you know, wrote the whole movie in like two weeks. Yeah, it was we definitely like first, first thought, best thought. <laughs> that was like the the uh, the process. Um, I think I heard like, you guys talk about that one on Jeremiah's podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of blows my mind. You guys know him. That's pretty cool. But yeah, Jeremiah and I were neighbors. I was like his first friend when he came to LA. A wow. girlfriend like met him somehow, realized yeah. like at work, realized we were neighbors, and we, then we would have him over like every Saturday night for like years. We would give mm-hmm. him like one one good meal a week, and then we would watch SNL together. 
um because otherwise physical... i felt like he was only eating ramen and hot dogs and he was gonna die <laughs> his uh, physical comedy is amazing dude i used to watch him and uh kill tony all the time at the comedy store yeah the yeah, jeremiah is it. great and i feel like he's he's on the rise which is good to see because he's he's such a nice uh, guy and he works so hard and so like, funny he's he's great one of the nicest guys in hollywood Absolutely. This is reminding me. I found out that his comedy album's on vinyl. I gotta get that. Oh, Ooh, is it? Cool. Yeah. Dude, I went to his. I went to his like premiere party for that at that one comedy place. Jeremiah like, Watkins, by the way. I don't think any of us ever said his full name Jer- for listeners. Jeremiah Watkins. People don't know the Jeremiah. And his podcast is called Jeremiah Wonders. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Good stuff. So, what would be your dream Friday Night Frights lineup? A lineup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm actually just eager to get back to the marathon we had scheduled that got shut down. Dynasty typewriters. Yeah, which was all animals attack movies. Subgenre I I have a particular affinity for. Was that on sale? I I think I honestly had a ticket for that. Yeah, we already had tickets for it. The real bummer on giving those back, uh, I need to talk to Mike Williamson, my buddy who does secret 16 and owns yeah. all those 60 millimeter prints. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we would do potlucks for those. And I felt like that was an intrinsic part of why oh, it was fun. <laughs> but also like, I feel like even after theaters open back up, I don't know how long it's going to be before people mm-hmm. are like the idea of a potluck seeming fun. Yeah. I was thinking directly out of a, like a big bucket of room temperature egg salad. Dude, shared with a bunch of that. strangers that's what i'm all just eating with our hands <laughs> those potlucks got a lot of food though i was oh, surprised yeah, they're great yeah um so we'll have to i mean probably we'd have to wait like a whole other year to do the potlucks we'll just do one yeah. without a potluck without a potluck. But that's the one i'm most looking forward to as far as like a quote-unquote lineup and then i'm sad though because we were gonna do the scott spiegel movie intruder and Scott Spiegel, yeah. the writer, director, and the star, Dan Hicks. And he died. Evil Dead 2 was coming out, yeah. and then Dan Hicks died. I so. had a ticket for that as well. I, I yeah, actually... so that's a bummer. So that, that's a screening that we'll never fully get back. It was so good, dude. And I and I had I had a ticket for my dad, and he canceled his entire trip. He's never seen that movie. So we oh, had plans no. to go to that, and yeah, I was so fucking bummed. But um, so I can't remember, but um, let me see. One second. So... Yeah, never mind. So there was like a sequels uh, marathon you guys did that I went to. Wasn't there one with like Child's Play 2 and everything? Yep. Yeah, that was. I think that was uh, the first one I went to for the marathon. It's funny. I, I just asked Williamson. I was like, what did we, uh, what else did we show there? And he couldn't even remember either. Uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> Child's Play 2. It's funny. It's funny you said that one. Child's Play 2 is the only one I concretely remembered for sure we did. Did one of the Halloweens. I think uh, did one of the Elm Street. I think you did Halloween five or something. Yeah. You did Halloween five as part of like the there was like a marathon of part fives. Part fives, yeah. That was our fifth. Because I was there for the show. end of Halloween five and then whatever ran after Halloween. And then we also showed part six at the part six of thon. Yeah. The one with Paul Rudd. I like part six. I mean, at least I liked it at the time. Oh, I yeah. think I watched it again and I was like, oh, wait, this movie kind of sucks. But I, w- when it was new, I, I thought it was fun. <laughs> I feel our expectations were so low when we when we saw it when it was new in the 90s. Yeah, because yeah. I remember Paul Rudd really popped for me in that movie, too. I was like, who's this guy? This guy's going to be huge. And I feel like everyone thought I was crazy. I was well, like, this dude from the, Halloween 6, he's going to be that's a only the, uh, someday. That's only the theatrical cut, too, because now you can watch the original producer's cut on Blu-ray in which Paul Rudd's playing all his scenes very seriously. And then you can tell that he'd gone off and gotten 
cast in Clueless and then they did the reshoots because now he's like now he came back with a new comic yeah, verve. Yeah. I'm gonna be funny <laughs> so say what you're saying oh yeah you know actually to be honest I like the producer's cut more than the the final version I think most do it's just that we yeah. we liked the theatrical entirely because that was the movie where we discovered Paul Rudd yeah of course and then when I saw the producer's cut I was like I'm like, am I crazy? I remembered Paul Rudd like being funny. And so then I rewatched the theatrical cut and I'm like, oh, I see what happened here. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> weird in that movie. Stuff. His, whole, his whole thing is so weird. In that. Well, you know, he had to play a traumatized uh, Tommy Doyle. So <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. just the way he talks was just so funny. Yeah. So uh, Josh, he used to go under the moniker Worm Miller. Why'd you do that? Well, that was because uh, it's funny now that I actually know the, the guy but mm-hmm. you know growing up watching all these b movies there was a actor named josh miller who was in oh, like near yeah, yeah. dark and teen witch oh and yeah 1999 wait who was he in near dark he was the kid. the kid he was also in river's his edge josh miller yeah oh, river's shit. edge yeah uh so his name's josh miller That's uh, it, weirdly his, his dad is jason miller the priest from the exorcist mm. um fun fact <laughs> but uh when because we didn't really know how guilds work. I just, you always remember you'd hear stories like how Michael Keaton's real name is Michael Douglas, but he had to go by Michael Keaton because Michael Douglas already existed. Really? So in my my understanding of how guilds work, and this is how they work, they've since changed it yeah. um, since we moved out here. But it used to be that there could only be one person with a name in each guild. Mm-hmm. And right when we were moving out here, Josh Miller wrote and directed a movie I'm forgetting what it's called, but in my mind, I was like, oh, fuck. Now he's in all the guilds. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want to, basically, I didn't want to do the like, well, I guess I'll be Josh S. Miller, you know? Yeah, like I, no. I felt like that never sounds, I mean, sometimes it sounds great for like Michael J. Fox. Or Joshua Miller. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, I, but my nickname growing up, but the weird thing was, it was a nickname that only my brothers would call me, like Pat and all my friends called me Josh, yeah. but my brothers and my sister would call me worm. So I'm like, <laughs> well, I feel very confident there aren't going to be any other worm millers. Yeah. And also when you're like 22, I'm like, yeah, that seems fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do remember when we went to like slam dance or someplace oh, it, and like, no, you, it was slam dance. We were at an after party at slam dance. Yeah. And we met into. some old German guy whose name really was worm. He's like, you are firm. I am firm. Oh uh, no. He yeah, was so I excited. Like name tag. And I was like, wow, I don't have the heart to tell this guy. That's not my real name. Um, but <laughs> oh, I had, that's funny. stupidly, I had, it had not dawned on me that that's just what everyone would call me out here. Because we got on dorm days and obviously everyone read the script before they ever met us. Mm-hmm. So they're like, which one to use worm? And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> so then that just became my name for like years. Yeah. Which I mean I was fine with, but I was also like, that wasn't really and you basically switched my... back with Golan, right? Is like you Well, it was a slow process. I started writing when our <laughs> film career kind of cratered for a while when the economy tanked. Yeah. And basically when the Hill and Brand brothers couldn't get the same financing they used to we did four movies with them mm-hmm. um and i started doing like you know film journalism stuff mm-hmm. and the website was you know i was like well i'll use my real name here uh to create some separation then, yeah yeah some separation <laughs> and then i started doing friday night frights which i'm also like well i'm gonna do my real name here as well yeah. and then it just kind of was this slow thing where our film career was as such 
and we were doing so little that I was actually like, oh, I'm actually becoming my, my career yeah. using my real name is like taking off more than that. So mm-hmm. then, yeah, by the time we sold Golan, I was just like, well, now I'm just, that's such a big leap mm-hmm. from the Dorn Days movies. I'm just going to make a full change. Mm-hmm. So, and no girlfriend I ever dated, like they all hated the name worm. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna call you that. Well, like, where did by me. you said the worm thing came from your sister, right? But where did where did that actually come from? What's the it was my older brother Eric? There's like no real story. He just like apply, applied it to me when I was like three. Uh, I think the actual story is really boring. It was like he had a friend named Worm, like uh, nicknamed okay. Worm, and that kid like moved away. I see. He was so, like, oh, I liked that nickname. You're the new worm. Yeah. So you didn't brother. eat worms. I see. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. It's funny. My wife was just asking me, she's like, was it because you were like squirmy? And I'm like, I don't think there was any like real, other than the fact that I think my brother was like, you seem like a good worm. Uh, there <laughs> was awesome. no like standard nickname evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I had eaten worms. That would have been a much better story. <laughs> you still can. There's still time. Yeah. <laughs> Just like uh Carly Beth and Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, but now now it is a nice like separation career-wise. Yeah. Uh since Golan really represented like the kind of new beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, career. even though we'd already been around for a long time and we're grizzled vets. But as far as anyone at Fox knew, we were just like fresh faced kids off, yeah. straight off the bus. And we'd l- let them continue yeah. to think that. Yeah. So, yes, mm-hmm. think of us as very young. Go for yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how the idea for a third installment of the Ace Ventura franchise come to fruition? That um, we can't talk about. Yeah, there's some stuff that maybe, oh. you know, it's like not, not, not uh, fit for public discussion. Well, what can you tell us? Anything? No, we can't. Oh, bummer. Nah. That news wasn't supposed to get out there like that. If oh, that news is uh, real, I can't, no comment, no comment. Yeah, no comment. Neither confirm <laughs> nor deny. All I'm going to say is you uh, got you got to get Cannibal Corpse back for the movie, to like in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> or any metal, any metal band where Jim Carrey just can go into a mosh pit and act like a maniac. <laughs> yeah, They're actually good. from our hometown. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. Buffalo, 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 New York. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, so even though a lot of people and critics gave it a lot of hate i think transylvania is honestly a good time is that film <laughs> a riot to shoot looks like it was it was yeah i mean uh, that that's another example of one where although by then that was the fourth thing we'd done with the hill and brand so we'd sort of yeah. gotten used to being disappointed with how it turned out but that was super <laughs> fun to shoot because we got to go to romania yeah it was amazing yeah that was one where our original concept for it oh yeah was that it was, was going to be like a camp. summer camp movie and we were going to kill the whole cast and we turned oh, in the yeah. outline, which like they were like, ha, 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 until we turned in the outline where the whole cast died. And they were like, wait, are mm-hmm. we really going to kill all these characters? And we're like, uh, yeah, I thought that's what we agreed like, to. I thought that was the idea. But mm-hmm. then they also Slash were like, hey, but we could shoot this for cheap. Like we could get really awesome shit if we go to Romania. Do you think we mm-hmm. can do this summer camp movie in Romania? And we were like, if we're going to Romania, it feels like we should have like horses and castles and stuff. Yeah, and was, take advantage I was of like, the fact they were, we're part Romania. of the Soviet <laughs> Union for like 60 years. I don't think they have a lot of fun summer camps. Well, like we'd yeah. seen other like indie movies that like some of our friends had been in where it was like, that takes place in the American Midwest, but was like shot in Bulgaria or whatever. And it like never, it never tricks you. It's like, yeah, why, it's like the main why cast... is everyone in the, all the extras are like hunchbacks. Like this doesn't look like. Where <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the main cast would all be American. And then like one of their friends would be like, hello, I am the American. <laughs> yeah. like, mm. So like we kind of repitched it of like, listen, if we're going to go to Romania, let's do a movie about um, 
Let's yeah, do, let's do like, a movie about vampires have, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they have summer camps, but they definitely have castles. Lots yep. of old castles. Yeah, so I mean, that was that was totally a blast to shoot. And we were there with the mm-hmm. whole cast. Like, and we would- Well, get- that's a- uh, if, if you ever find yourself in such a situation where they've agreed that you can play small parts in a script, you should really think of how movies are shot because mm-hmm. we strategically wrote all our scenes in such a way that there was no way you could like shoot them all in two days yeah. and send us home. So we basically had to be there for the entire shoot. Yeah, collecting our per diem and like the exchange Hell rate yeah. was get, great, like partying our asses off with the cast, going to like dance clubs, with all these yeah. like you know gorgeous american actresses so we were well received everywhere we where we went everyone wanted us there it was great nothing better than per diem <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> especially when you like don't use too much for food and you just use it for what like other stuff <laughs> oh yeah i mean i i felt like i made extra money just yeah, from exactly not blowing it all one of the actors lost money shooting that movie I oh was no hilarious. was it gambling oh, it away no I think he actually literally did lose some of it gambling. He was just like blowing all his I feel like some of it he just straight up lost too. He was like Probably. carrying it around, like wadded up in a ball in his pocket, like a little kid, you know? Yeah. He like, left it in the cab. Yeah. It was James DeBello. Uh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it literally was. <laughs> it literally. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Um, let me see where I was. Uh, okay. Oh, actually, my, my, my Aunt Kelly adapted my two cousins from romania which i thought was cool so fun fact oh, yeah. Yeah, funny little tidbit but yeah i love the yeah I love romania the was uh especially at that age like we hadn't been fucking i mean we'd been in, in places in america but we really hadn't been shit yeah canada yeah no we, I mean, yeah, we loved our canada. time there we loved the country the people were nice i liked the food like i got oh yeah hard to find like good romanian food that's what i was gonna LA. say is it good food or no it is. I mean, yeah, the food was really good. Well, it depends yeah. on what you like. I suppose it's the kind of food some people find disgusting. But I mean, you, you guys are open. from upstate New York. You get it. Yeah. Minnesota is the same. It's all like real heavy casseroles <laughs> and piles of meat and potatoes. I mean, and they, they had like special yeah. sausages and like um, mm-hmm. like kind of thick like soups with like tripe in it and stuff, which mm-hmm. I, I got really into tripe. Oh wow! I like any food that, like you know, culturally <laughs> grew up where they all needed to get fatter in the winter so they wouldn't die. You know, yeah. I feel it, uh, I went on kind of that's the food that warms my soul. <laughs> I went on a I went on a college trip to Ireland and the food there is terrible. It's <laughs> absolutely like the worst thing in the world. And they have this thing called blood pudding for breakfast, and it's literally uh, made oh. with like pig blood. It's disgusting. Ew. Um. Cause it doesn't get cold enough. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Got a winter food. I actually, I really love the obnoxious high intensity music at the opening credits of Transylvania. Oh man. I haven't seen that yeah, movie forever. I don't even remember. It, I, I don't know who it was. That's what I was going to ask. Like, <laughs> that was it? David Hillenbrand. He did the music. It was for, hilarious. Or oh, wait, it might, it might've been a song. Yeah. No, it was, was it like it was, a band playing or was it just score? it was a band it was oh, a band. okay yeah and it was like the, the animated opening credits of us all yes yeah yeah yes. that was fun i always like an hilarious credit sequence so yeah, why did it take remember the... <laughs> why did it take so long for it to get its initial release it came out like two years after you filmed it well the hillenbrand brothers were interesting people to work for because again on the one hand it was definitely scratching that itch i'd always had to work with like yeah a quarter man or you know like the kind of person i feel ed wood would have 
approached in the movie Ed Wood, <laughs> yeah. uh, who has a poster that he made before making the movie. Mm-hmm. Taylor Perez never did that, but they definitely yeah. had that kind of like old school, like huckster showman yeah. vibe. Uh, and that was really fun. And they were very good at getting money from like, you know, mm. dentists and retired people who wanted to do fun things with their extra yeah, like, money. Their, their mm. flaw was sort of always that they like wanted to like go bigger than the original Corman. plan. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause like, like Transylvania, were, I think we all were like, yeah, this will go right to DVD. We'll make money. Well, it was supposed to be called dorm days three, but then it was like, they were like, this <laughs> yeah. is so good. We got to divorce it from that unsuccessful dorm days franchise. This will be a yeah. theatrical hit. And we were like, this isn't going to be a theatrical hit. Let it, it could be a video hit. Let's make it a video hit. Especially because we had yeah. an idea for dorm days four already. We were getting My excited God. about <laughs> Um, I mean, it's, it's its own crazy story and I'm sure they don't love the news being out there so I won't go too deeply. But basically yeah. it was just that they ended up raising a bunch of money. Uh, if you remember when uh, my big fat, fat Greek wedding came out. Yeah, like 2005. How much you remember of that. But that was like kind of a groundbreaking thing that mm-hmm. really relied on it being a movie about Greeks. Yeah. So they would go to like Greek Orthodox churches and yeah. basically self-distributed it and then it made like $200 million. But yeah, it's like yeah, they thought no, they were doing really the well. same thing, which is like college kids for Transylvania. But we were like, this is like, you know, it's just like that was never really going to work. And like all the time and mm-hmm. energy they spent getting a big release for Transylvania, like we would have, we could have, we could have made another movie during this yeah, time I mean, using that raising, same time and energy. I think yeah. they ended up raising enough money, the money they raised to release it themselves we could have made all three dorm days movies and game box again, you mm-hmm. know, just to put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an insane amount of money, all things considered in Hollywood, but it was an insane amount of money for one movie. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that then it didn't do well, like mm-hmm. kind of cratered their whole company. That's why they yeah. haven't really done much since then. Um, at least it was at blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. But that's why <laughs> it took so long. Like, to I think out. it did find some some kind of audience on on video which was who it was originally intended for. Like when we were writing it we yeah. were like this is it. This is a movie for video, you know. Yeah. We were yeah, I Sonic, still went, like this is a movie for theaters. It's like you yeah. well, I still wish it was Dorm Days 3 cuz I was just excited that I was like if you looked at the Dorm Days trilogy, again, <laughs> not great movies, but the one thing that I felt you would have had to accept was like this is a really weird direction. The first movie is a college comedy. The second one's a college comedy on a boat that's also a murder <laughs> mystery and people die. Yeah. And then the third one is like a Scooby-Doo style <laughs> vampire horror mashup in a castle. So I was like, oh my God. nothing else. You have to give us credit for this franchise evolving in a really strange way. And then part four was going to be a behind the scenes, like a movie about making a movie. And it was about all of us making Dorm Days 4. Mm-hmm. And the Dorm Days 4 in the movie was going to be, take place on a space station and was also a musical. <laughs> so what would have, uh, what would, uh, just spitballing, what would have a uh, Dorm Days 5 been about? <laughs> oh God. Oh man, after space. 4, we would have really had I to. I mean, they're going Dorm to space. Days 5 would have been whatever <laughs> we travel. thought of on the set of Dorm Days 4. Cause I think that's what, while we were doing Dorm Days 1, people were like, what's the second one? And we would be like, it's on a cruise ship. That was kind of a <laughs> joke. We wanted to go on a cruise, but then we didn't end up going on a cruise. We shot it on, yeah, on the, then Queen on the Mary, second one, in like dry dock. <laughs> and then while we were doing the second one, they're like, what's the third one? We were like, it's a horror movie. It yeah. will kill the whole cast so we can stop <laughs> making these movies. Yeah. Um, 
then guys... we got excited about what four could do. Yeah, and then dur- during three is when we declared, yeah, what's the fourth one about? And we were like, it's going to be a, yeah it's, yeah, it's a making of, and and also it's in space. That was the... <laughs> do you guys still keep in touch with James DeBello? We love him. In, uh... Uh, every now and then when I see him, because uh, I, I sublet his apartment briefly. Oh, nice. When uh, we lived in Franklin Village in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I lived there for, really a pretty long time and so mm-hmm. i'm still kind of bump into him yeah because he, he was like, always lives... like hanging out uh like in front of yeah Bell, but he right? also like lives a lot of the time on the east coast and florida but every now and then he'll be back in town and i randomly saw him well clearly this was before covid mm-hmm. so like a year ago yeah. i was just like eating at a restaurant there and he oh, wandered wow. in and then we hung out for a while Dude, we love him in Detroit Rock City. Oh, it's classic. He's he's brilliant in that movie. He's for sure. so funny in that. He is a unique individual. Yeah. His voice <laughs> being so outrageously when he was like yeah. 20. I was like, what happened to you? <laughs> he, he had he's a very like, your mom your mom had you on acid. True. Yeah. <laughs> he had a he had a very distinctive voice. And yeah, he still does. Yeah. Did, did we met him yeah, at um yeah. Kelt and I. We met him at a where where did we meet him at? Who, Josh? No, uh, no, uh, James DeBello. Jimmy. 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 Yeah. Where did we meet? Was it Vegas? We we didn't meet him, did we? Yeah, he because he was with Ed. We met with... the other guy. We met the guy that directed it. No, no. He oh, was... Adam no. Rifkin? Oh, Adam Rifkin? Yeah. Yeah, we met Rifkin, yeah. No, no. I think we met Jimmy at Vegas because he was with Edward Furlong that day. Really? I'm pretty sure know. he was with he was with Edward Furlong that day when I was talking. There's ta- a duo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Dude, Edward Furlong was hilarious. He's walking around the casino. <laughs> oh, dude. With his like cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> Edward and I, we went on for like a good five minutes just talking about old school video games because he was. Oh, no, no, we lost that. Again. No. All right. Uh, big game, too, actually. James DeBello is great. <laughs> you froze again, but perfect. You're back. Well, you're back. So, Josh, you got married six months ago. I did. Uh, how, how's married life treating you? Good. I mean, you know. Not that much different than non-married life at this yeah. point, but <laughs> yeah. Does your mom? Is always you... the answer in a situation where you were already living together. Yeah. Does your wife give you shit for watching so many horror movies? <laughs> no, she thinks it's cool. Hell yeah. Yeah, Josh, she watches Josh more movies like, than I yeah, do. She's she's also like a film person, so it's like yeah. it's all just yeah. movies all the time over at that house. Yeah. Uh, so, are there any particular screenwriters that you guys looked up to or were inspired by for your journey? Uh, I definitely think growing up, you know, cause pre-internet and like, for whatever reason, I feel like I didn't, you know, I didn't really a lot of like film magazines or anything. Yeah. So for me, it was definitely William Goldman who wrote Princess Bride, probably his best remembered one oh, okay. at this point, but also all the president's men. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. Yeah. Classic. But, 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 and, and he know, wrote that book, um, my adventures, adventures. in the screen trade. But also he would, you know, cause like, I guess they probably still do this. I just feel like the market's not as big as it used to be, but like, you know, growing up, you'd go to Barnes and Noble and they would have their film section and they would just have screenplays you could buy in books. Um, and his screenplays, he always wrote essays in front of them that yeah. were like kind of his behind the scenes memories of making them. And they're all fascinating. Um, yeah. Uh, and just like, I, you know, I liked his movies and like Pet said, adventures in the screen trade. Mm-hmm. is I think kind of a must read for anyone who's just really into either just likes Hollywood and movies or wants to work in it, especially as a writer. 
Um, so I, yeah, I, didn't, I never liked reading like screenwriting books, like how to, yeah. but anyone who could kind of put it into perspective. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, I feel like Sam Raimi was just kind of the real. Oh, hell yeah. oh Sam Raimi and like the Coen brothers, like guys yeah. who like felt like they were guys like us and we, yeah. who had like, who had done it. Cause we were coming from, yeah, these super independent, like just doing things on our own. So like, we really looked yeah. up to the Coens and, and to Raimi and his whole gang. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it felt like. Like we could see us being them. That's what we were. That's what we were going for, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember that that one store in Hollywood that closed down. Samuel French. They used to sell those like screenwriting books, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a bummer. They got they went down. Um, so we got like a speed round of a bunch of like bullshit questions that we ask at the end of every episode. Um, you want to start it off? Yeah. All right. Favorite Sonic character. Sonic. easy answer i'll say knuckles oh yeah favorite horror movie evil dead 2 uh grape jelly or strawberry jelly grape Mm, i'll go strawberry hell yeah favorite movie theater food popcorn Popcorn. (laughs) i don't really like eating in movies really (laughs) Yeah, popcorn I can do. Sometimes I why get a hot dog also. Why don't you like eating? Do you just feel like you're distracting other people? Yeah, time? yeah. And part of it is I think it's gross when someone's eating next to me. Um, even when I go to the Alamo Draft House, it's normally like I want to get there early enough that I yeah. eat and then Before. I'm done and then the movie starts. I don't like eating. Yeah. I, like I don't I'm like really... getting up to go to the bathroom in a movie. Even when I get food, like I feel like I'm always done by the end of the trailers, really. I'm like, rah, yeah. rah, 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 trailer, yeah. time for a movie. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing I ate in a movie theater once that was the worst mistake in my life. And it was Pop Rocks. Oh, God. Oh. And it, as you could only imagine, it's like a bomb going off in your mouth. <laughs> it's like the whole theater was like turning around looking at me and my cousin. We were both eating Pop Rocks and it was so fucking loud. Pop Rocks <laughs> and Coke at the same time. Like, oh, not God. even. Yeah, you had a movie. It was you want something Pop that's Rocks. easy to eat and not that messy? Because I feel like the one time I got like real nachos, yeah. I think at like a draft house, not the like, you know, just chips and cheese. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a horrible idea because I can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm just getting disgusting. I can't tell if I'm spilling. <laughs> Do you remember when myself. we were teenagers, like we used to would go to the mall and like you could buy like runts and stuff like in bulk from Mr. Bulkies. And we would get a sack of oh, candy yeah. and like a yeah. two liter of soda. And God, we ate so much sugar. I'm amazed we're still oh, yeah. alive. Dude, <laughs> I've always snuck in candy. I'll never buy candy from a theater. That's crazy. Oh, go to dollar ridiculous. store, get one one little box or one big box for a dollar. Why would you pay $5 for it? I just don't understand. I'll I do it at the new Bev because I like supporting them. But oh yeah, no, no, new Bev has good prices though. Yeah, they do I, have good prices. That's why I will actually buy it there. You're right. That is one place. They have like think like vegan hot dogs. Yeah, they got really? a good selection. Yeah, they really do. Um, so that might be a dumb question, but favorite theater in Los Angeles? The Vista, maybe. I, I guess hmm. at this point, the new Bev. Yeah, I really love the Egyptian. I'm gonna miss that for the next year and a half or whatever that's gonna take. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Favorite Halloween film? Oh, no. 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 F- favorite Halloween film? Like from the Halloween franchise or just about the, the holiday of Halloween? The franchise. <laughs> uh, at this point, I think three is my favorite, but I also don't. That's not really a Halloween movie because it's not Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, um, sh- shout out to three. 
a classic. Yeah. But I mean, otherwise, the first mm-hmm. Halloween, that's a franchise. I have all the movies and I watch them a lot. Yet I'm always still just like, this is not a great franchise. I got to <laughs> I got to show you once I see my friend Kyle in a few days, um, he got a neck tat. Literally, his whole neck is Halloween three. It's like the skull, the witch in the. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> I, saw a, it, I was like a shamrock. Is there a shamrock? I don't think so. It's just a rock on the back. You got to have the silver shamrock. (laughs) He might, maybe it's included on like the side of one, but I'll have to see. It's weird to be living in a day where that is now like a somewhat widely appreciated movie. Yeah, nobody used to like it. Well, you know, the thing is, as a standalone movie, it's great, you know. Like as a they shouldn't story. have named it Halloween three. Yeah, everyone was just pissed off because I felt like all the older kids, like you know, I wasn't old enough to see that movie yeah. when it came out, so I just grew up knowing everyone hated it. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like when we finally watched it, we were like, "This movie's great." Yeah, I just yeah. listened to the the "How did this get made?" about Halloween three. Uh, which was a pretty funny episode because Jason just kept going on and on about how he like kept waiting. He thought Michael Myers was going to like show up by the end of this movie. The whole movie was like, where's Michael Myers? Everyone thought in the 80s. People hated it so much. Yeah. Worst horror movie you've ever seen. Oh, that's almost impossible to answer. Mm. I've seen so many bad ones. Um, Whatever comes to your mind. I'm maybe going to go back. Yeah, yeah. The Amazing Transplant. So when we were younger, we would go to the video store and get the two for one, like Tuesday deals. Yeah. We'd always rent four horror movies and watch them all in one night, which I don't think I'd have the energy to no. do at home mm-hmm. anymore. Um, and for some reason, there are a few like ones that thing is I've since seen way worse movies than these. But yeah, like age, the amazing transplant like... sticks out because that was a movie where they didn't have any sync sound. We realized like halfway through they would never sh- they would only show people like listening to each other and never show the person yeah. talking. Yeah, or they've like kind of be talking like this with their hand over their so like that one just really blew our mind. It's just like what how is this a movie that was released in a video store? But <laughs> And was it was Shriek of the Mutilator or something? That was also mutilated. Yeah. That's like a movie people actually like too. That's sort of my point is that these <laughs> were the worst movies we'd ever seen when we were in like ninth and tenth grade. But yeah. they're always better with an audience. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Works. <laughs> Favorite food spot in Los Angeles? Uh, salsa and beer. That's usually where we go <laughs> when we're celebrating. Dude. Like we just sold a script or that meeting went really well. Is it good there? Because every time I try to go, it's just like the line is through the door. That's the only problem. You I mean, have to yeah. be prepared to wait a it's super impossible. long time. Yeah. Or like great. go at it like an off time and yeah. or sit at the bar. Like you, if yeah. you get yeah. a spot at the bar. Uh, the food's good. And like, there's one thing I really hate in LA is overpriced Mexican food because oh, yeah. it's never proportionately as good as the price. Like it's also here, it's like, it's real good. It's super cheap and they give you way too much food. So you always have yeah. leftovers. Yeah, I mean, they, the and, food is almost basically free. It's just like, well, they, I think they only make their money salsa, off of the margaritas, you know? Yeah, yeah, instead of chips and salsa, they give you chips and spicy bean dip, so. Oh, wow. Did he freeze again? So, no, I'm right here. Uh, worst time to write a screenplay. Um, right as a pandemic is beginning. <laughs> oh shit uh favorite actor oh man jeff bridges maybe yeah arnold schwarzenegger was the first person to pop in my mind yes. that's not even true but i'm sticking with it because it was the first person i thought of when you asked yeah. so 
Hell yeah. It's the lightning yeah. round. Yeah. That's how we got to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, all right. The greatest Q&A I've ever been to was with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, Which one was one. that? The Predator one? That was the one he did at Beyond Fest for Predator and Running Man. Yeah. Oh. It was so good. He's wearing a Predator shirt right now. Hey, hey. <laughs> there he is. I love Arnie. And he froze. At least he froze right. holding up his Predator shirt. Exorcist. Yep. One of my favorite movies. Uh, I'll tell you. So um, the funny thing is, uh, when I when Kel and I we used to live. At... Well, we got you, Ed. Oh, oh, yeah, you got me. Okay. Oh, so a funny story about Predator. So when Kel and I, I'm sorry, this thing is acting up. So Kel and I used to live in North Hollywood, and we would go to the LA Fitness there. And I remember I was uh, working out one time. And this a really tall, uh, this really tall dude comes over, and I thought he was gonna correct my form, and then he was showing me a band he was listening to, and then we were talking about film and all that, and then he told me, yeah, my uncle worked with uh, Carl Weathers and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like, wait a minute, who was your uncle? And he said, Kevin Peter Hall. And I'm like, your <laughs> uncle was the original wow. Predator. I'm like, holy shit! Wow. I was He's like, also Harry and Harry and the Henderson. That's right. Yeah, dude. I said, <laughs> dude. Your uncle scared the shit out of me as a kid. I fucking love that movie <laughs> so much. And like he I loved that guy. Yeah, no, uh, Jamie Hall. And J- what, it's funny because Jamie Hall went on to be the predator in a fan film, uh, Wolverine versus Predator, as a homage to his I uncle. I remember that. Yeah, that was him. That was Jamie Hall. And wow. He's he's a he's t- not as tall as his uncle. He's about six eight, but he's still right up there yeah. and yeah, i think he's plenty big yeah no <laughs> such a nice guy he and i became really good friends and he does camera work for film too but yeah that's cool but yeah and exorcist yeah. guys oh they're both great but i'll go exorcist yeah that's pretty obvious yeah yeah so uh favorite band tom waits Ooh. the kinks nice <laughs> favorite horror convention uh, I don't really go to that many, so I guess I would just say Monster Palooza because that's yeah. the one I always go to. <laughs> Favorite video game? Oh, ever? Ever. Uh, ever. Yeah. You got to say Sonic. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Zelda's Breath of the Wild. Yes. Dark Souls. Say that again. What, what was the one you said, Josh? Oh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. That game oh, okay. was pretty mind blowing. Okay. And then Dark Souls. Uh, Godzilla or Kong? Kong. Kong. USA Jason. number one. Yeah. <laughs> Jason or Michael? Jason. Jason. Chucky or Leprechaun? Ooh. Chucky. Chucky. Yes. So, uh, best horror director? Mm, I'm going to say Wes Craven. Oh, that's a good one. I was going to say Sam Raimi, but Wes Craven's also a great answer. Both are great. Both are phenomenal. And and then favorite horror writer. Uh, a writer. Mm-hmm. That's an in, that's a more interesting question. I mean, yeah. Stephen King, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. I was trying to think of just like movies, but yeah, yeah. But even then, it's like it's usually the writer directors. That's why I was like trying to think of yeah, some. Just a writer, Lee Winnell, oh, Dennis Paoli yeah. wrote Reanimator. Mm. Oh, hell yeah! And uh, what are you guys most proud of? Maybe hey, stop stabbing me. Yeah, <laughs> I still no feel like it was a, a pretty towering <laughs> achievement for its time. Yeah, and like in a roundabout way, it led 
there's a clear path from it to Sonic. So yeah, our current career that. is built more upon Hey Stop Stabbing Me than it is built upon any of the dorm days type stuff. That was sort of, yeah, that was all like, like a, a tangent. Yeah, it's like yeah. one of those evolutionary trees you see of the like, you know, mm-hmm. that just kind of branched off and died. So if, if you think you didn't make that, then Sonic probably never would have happened, right? Possibly. I mean, at least the way it did. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Because Hey Stop Stabbing Me led directly to Golan the Insatiable. And Golan the Insatiable is why Toby wanted us for Sonic. So Yeah, I still got to watch that. So that, that's on Hulu, right? Yeah, we recommend season one. But if you like season one, you can also watch season two. But season two got retooled uh, by Fox. And Josh is the voice of Golan the Insatiable in season one, but not in season two. Yeah. Oh, what That the was hell? part of the retooling. Who, who replaced you? Rob Riggle. Because he's like the Fox Sports guy. Hilarious. That was, yeah, that was that was sort of like a um, network power play, yeah. corporate so synergy. Fun. They just like checked us out of the way. Like, yeah, it's like we're stealing your show, you guys. I mean, we still wrote most of season two, but like it yeah, was yeah. like because of the fact that now it was like the whole show was ramping up. They were like, you guys, we we don't, you know, they wanted to uh, d- demand. Yeah, no one us. cared about the first season, which is always <laughs> the great place to be. Mm-hmm. So where can your fans find you? Uh, well, I, Friday Night Frights and Best Movies Never Made are both on Twitter and Instagram. I mm-hmm. don't really like Twitter myself. so yeah, I don't either. There. But you can find me at Josh S. Miller on Instagram and Very see cool. pictures of books I'm reading and my cats. Yeah, I'm on Instagram <laughs> at Pat Casey Superstar. It's mostly cats. And then I'm on Twitter at Pat underscore Casey, the letters Casey on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter quite a bit if you want to hear me make Yeah, jokes. Pat does a lot of Twitter. Oh, so you like Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this. Freaking love you guys. This was fun. Yeah, yeah it was fun. Hopefully see you hopefully. guys at a Friday Night Frights at some yeah, point. Yeah, dude. Once I, thing I hardly would ever miss them, honestly. They're always fun. Even the ones right that on. I was like not sure of, I would go and always have a good time. Well, because so. it's always fun with an audience. That's sort it of always the, is. Yeah. The idea. And you guys. Not every movie show. I show is something that I would like show you at home. Yeah. You don't really need to see that. I mean, movie. like I am really looking forward to getting back into movie theaters at some point. Like it's an essential yeah. part of being alive, seeing a movie in the in the theater mm-hmm. with a big crowd. Um, it, it's great. And I did they it. open those AMCs in Burbank yet? I think they yeah, like just open. did, but I'm not going back until I'm vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not even back there yet, but I, I, that's like right around from where I live. So I'm totally trying to get back there. Like right when I get back. Yeah, Vaccination. Then we can. Yeah. Did you guys to start doing it? Are they allowing you guys to get them now out there? We've both yeah. now had our first shot. Um, okay. But so we, we've got to wait to wait until we get our second shots, but M- Moderna or Pfizer. Team Moderna for me, baby. Yeah, that's what my dad said. Oh, we're gonna rumble. I want Johnson and Johnson. That's what I really wanted. I just want the one shot. But see, that's what I want too. But they said it's like a sixty percent chance that you're, you know, it's gonna be good or effective. Yeah, it's still, it's still good enough. But it's apparently it's like almost a hundred percent that it like protects you from like severe COVID at least. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know. Well, hopefully you guys don't catch COVID and we could meet you guys in person sometime. Yeah. 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 We could meet <laughs> up at salsa cool. and beer for some, some margs and spicy bean dip. Absolutely. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. All right. Yeah. Wish you well, guys say the best bye of luck to this Ed year. for us when he unfreezes. Oh, he froze. <laughs> oh, poor frozen Ed. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish you guys the best of luck and can't wait to see what All we right. guys do next. Right. Later. Thanks, awesome. Fun chat. Take care, buddies.